Monkey Flashy Slave Question Everything. Okay, guys. Hello and welcome to yet another fun-filled episode of Anti-Slave Question Everything. As usual, this is your host, Bo Diggles, and baby, I'm here to spread some truth that is in a world full of fucking lies. Today, this episode is going to be a little different than anything else that I have ever done. This episode is going to be a real-life look at what some of our fellow humans have to go through. This episode is the first part in my series of the face of homelessness, okay? And the point of this is to put a face to the ones that aren't necessarily very much so represented at all in in, in our society. And this episode hits home for me. This whole series is going to hit home for me because of the fact that I was a homeless, drug-addicted youth at some time, and I really don't believe that things are as easy as most people want to make it seem. I get a lot of, well, if you're in this situation, you should just stop doing dope, and you should just go get a job, and you should start contributing to society, and I don't really think that people understand exactly what these people have to go through and exactly how dire the situation really is and how dire the situation of homelessness really is. I am going to be going down to encampments in this video, in this episode, and uh, I'm doing it with a uh, kind of semi-low quality camera. Um, the audio isn't going to be as good as it is when I'm recording here at home, obviously, um, but the idea sticks the same. There's a message behind all of this, and the message is that these people are people. These people are my friends. These people are, are they're getting fucked, bro. <laughs> like, and like I said, I've been there. I've been there. I like, I, I was a homeless youth. Um, it's just heavy shit. Um, but honestly, we're going to get down there. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, this is going to be a video episode on Spotify and I'm going to release this on Rumble and everything else. But honestly, this this episode would be best watched as a video because it's going to contain footage of me going down to the encampments. It's going to contain footage of how these people have to live. And it's going to contain interviews with the people that are down at in these encampments and living the way that they are. Now, I believe it's super important to have an understanding of how our fellow humans have to live. And regardless of whether or not some people believe that it's a choice, I can tell you right now that it may be a choice, but the choice to get better is a very fucking hard choice to make. And sometimes knowing your self-worth is a very, very hard thing to do. So my whole point of this is that I just don't want people to look at these people like they're any less than anybody else. Because the reality of it is that they're not. They're human beings. 
They bleed red. I bleed red. You bleed red. Everybody deserves respect and safety. Now, with that little rant preach out of my way, there's a few things I would have to say before I get to this episode. Um, My podcast is now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you happen to be listening to this on either one of those platforms, you know, I would really appreciate it if you followed my show and left me a review. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. Um, I have the ability now to like do this little questionnaire thing where it drops down on Spotify and asks like, what do you think of the episode? And it allows you guys to type in what you thought of the episode. If you're seeing this, y'all should fucking leave me a review at the end. It really does help me and uh, helps throw me into the algorithm, whatever algorithm that may be. It helps me get seen by other people. I've noticed a influx in viewers after somebody leaves me a little review. So if you guys like what I'm doing, I'd appreciate it if you helped me out, leave me a review, whatever. If you happen to be watching this on YouTube, I'd appreciate it if you liked this video and subscribed to my channel. Going forward, I'm going to have to tone down the content that I do publish on my YouTube, though, because of the fact that they want to chop my head off. So to my YouTube audience, I do encourage you to encourage, sorry, you to, uh, uh, to find me and follow me on another alternative platform. I'm on Rumble, Spotify, BitChute. Just look up Anti-Slave Kiwi and you'll find me. And for my socials, I do have a Twitter, an Instagram, and a TikTok, and all those accounts are just at AntiSlaveQE. I also have a subreddit that I post hard-hitting conspiracy content to pretty consistently. And if you'd like to join that and become a part of the conversation, you can. You can just find it at r slash AntiSlaveQE. If you are a listener and you have something interesting that you'd like to chat with me about on my show, a theory, an experience, or anything, you can email me at AntiSlaveQE at Outlook.com. You can also directly message me at any of the other provided social networkers account, okay? Um, I will include my LinkedIn in the description of this episode, so everything is super easy to find. Now, guys, with all those announcements and other shit out of the way, I present to you this episode that I've made from the bottom of my heart with some good intentions, you know? Um, This is the face of homelessness, guys. Enjoy it. Thank you. You. Anti-slave. Question everything.
Well, I could spew some cinematic apology, but it wouldn't do no good. The damage is done, so now all we do is run. Pretend our choices haven't killed the best in us. We'll fly away, flag, and both said everything we had never meant anything at all. When I'm not passed out, I'm really sleeping. I'm always dreaming of you. If I could talk to my younger self, now I'd say, Don't take nothing for granted, kid. You haven't seen just how bad things can get. You never know what you got till it's gone. You never know till it's gone. See, all right, there we go. See how much we're working with, though? Yeah. All right, cool. So, <clears throat> all right, guys, this basically is uh, the uh, the segment of these episodes that I want to do. Uh, it's called The Face of Homelessness, and basically what I'm here trying to do is uh, put a face to the people that are now downtrodden by society, okay? The people that are uh, look like they're not necessarily taken care of by society, um, in my opinion, and like I've kind of been there, um, lunchbox, you know what I'm saying, uh, yes and no, yes and no, yes and no, um, I think a lot of us, there's, there's a lot of mental issues uh -huh. that are getting missed and skipped and, you know, and, but when it comes down to it, it's the person's choice if they want to get help or not, right, but at the same time, I think society misses those, um, like I said again, though, outreach can only do so much if a person says no, correct, um, I think a lot of us put ourselves here. Um, I know that uh, a drug addiction, you know, my late eight, you know, 18, 19 years old, started doing drugs. Um, that's what put me here. Right. You know, I don't expect anybody to feel sorry for me. Right. You know, nobody put a pipe to my mouth and told me to smoke. I understand. I understand. But at the same uh, time, when we've got the homeless communities growing, right, and the outreach programs are trying, but the funding just isn't there. There's so many programs that are closed. Nowadays, it, it, it's it's ridiculous. Right. Um, they give us options. They're supposed to give us options when they tell people to move. Um, the last options they were given when just across the street they moved about 25 people. Yeah. Um, we were told that there would be uh, options for those people. Um, those options weren't given. The options that were given were um, a tiny home village in Fife that was closed. Yeah. And the hotel program in Puyallup, which was uh, there's a wait list. Um, as of Thanksgiving, um, I got into that hotel program, so I'm really no longer homeless, as as you would say. But I'm down here every day with my people, you know, and trying to help out right. and do what I can. It's a sense but of community. It, it really is. It's it a is. sense of community that you learn 
and it's kind of hard to let go. It is. It is. You get to be real close with people, right? Um, just like in a normal society, as I would call it. Um, you know, you, you get people that coworkers or friends, you know, neighbors, whatnot. I mean, it's the same thing here. We're not really. We're not all bad people. No, you know, not we, at all. We just made bad decisions in life. But, yeah. You know, a lot of it tends to. Uh, I think a lot of the problem is people look down on us because we've been the dredges of society since society began. You know, the the thieves, the hookers, the bad, and just all the bad. You know, you read about it in the Bible. Right. Um, it's not true. It's, a lot of us are. I mean, granted, there are your bad apples. There's, you know, bad apples in every every group. There you, is, you just yeah. got to try to weed those out. But unfortunately, everybody looks at the bad and not the good. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, I agree. It takes it takes a lot for people to kind of focus on, you know, the idea of uh, of humanity instead of the idea of what they may think humanity has become become you know right, right, and, right. And, you know what i'm saying and like and and when it pertains to jesus like uh in the bible you know he he was an advocate for all of that shit jesus was a nomad he was he the was. christians are the hardest on the homeless and, and, and people out there that, that, that believe in, in whatever their beliefs are if it's god in the bible um a lot of those people are the hardest on the homeless, but they forget that Jesus was a nomad. He was technically homeless. He was a homeless. I, 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 like I, in my head, in my head, I think of it like the same. I think of it like he was. Um, there's this punk rock uh, song that I love. Right. I can't remember what the fucking name of it is uh, <laughs> because, uh, but it's by Pat the Bunny, and there's one verse in it, and he says, um, "I'm starting to love Jesus, you know, because uh, Jesus, he was a dirty homeless." Who hung out with the uh, something somethings and anarchists? The, like right. he was talking about how Jesus was hanging out with the people that they would have then considered that point in time the downtrodden of society, right. right? And right now, what I think is going on is like we have this kind of great awakening going on, and it's very much so important to realize uh, brothers, mothers, and sisters, right? But the thing is, is that we are all brothers, mothers, and sisters. We are all of the same blood. I bleed red. You bleed red. Anybody out there bleeds red, yep. you know what I'm saying? And uh, people are beginning to forget about the fact that we all bleed red. People forgot a long time ago. Right. I, you're I, right. I, you're I, right. I, they did forget. That's my opinion. They yeah. did forget a long time ago. I just, I don't know, man. I like the, with the with the with the last uh, little bit of shit with like the COVID and everything that has happened <laughs> back in like just in the past two years. The forced vaccinations. The forced vaccinations. All the shit. You know, I've really felt like um, <clears throat> it was um. Uh, like like we're having a great reset kind of going on right now, and they're really much so trying to uh, like not only kill off everyone else, the middle class. They're trying to get rid of the middle class entirely. The elites, the elites are trying to get rid of the middle class, and um, and I kind of see some things that I, I I may believe to myself honestly that kind of bleeds through with them trying to fuck with uh, Everyone else too, like not only the middle class but the homeless. Oh, what 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 better group to start getting rid of people than the homeless? Because a lot of us don't have family, right, or friends, or people that would even think twice about if we were gone or not. You know, there was a, when I first moved in here about a year and a half ago, there was a body found about a hundred yards down the tracks. Uh, the guy was beaten to death, and the police came and they asked a few questions. Um, nobody knew anything, and that was it. So that and that was it. That yeah. was done. They did. They they're just done with it. There was no investigation. There was no no anything done. Um, happens a lot. Um, you know, there's homeless people. You know, people die out here all the time. You know, and yeah. 
they don't do anything about they it. They don't. Well, I mean, really, kind of in their aspect, well, what can they do if there's no family? You know, why, why, why bother? Why spend the man hours? I guess, and it, it's 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 a horrible thing to have to say because that was thing. a living human being, right? But at the same time, why investigate if there's no, you know, no question or, or no family? Or, you know, they just they don't care. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cold. Um, overdose phone calls to 911 take eight to ten minutes. When there was a stabbing out here a couple months back in the summertime, when that that response was you know three minutes tops, two minutes. Um, I see it all the time. You yeah. know, it, it's sad. It's really is sad. Um, there's a huge epidemic with the fentanyl going around. Um, you know, I'm glad I never got into opiates. Me too. Um, I'll never I'll never understand that sickness that draws people to do whatever they have to do to get whatever they have to do to get well, as they call it. Right. You know, more, more often than not, I hear people, you know, when they were doing heroin, you know, heroin was big, and so oh, i got to go get high, and then within two or three weeks, i got to get well, so I go get high. It's, it's yes. A, it's a, a double-edged sword, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because you, you only get fucking high <laughs> first couple of times. Right, and then it's, i got to get well, then you're sick before you know it. Jesus um, Murphy. It's bad, and now yeah. this fentanyl thing I hear more often than not, people that were doing the heroin are now saying, well, at least I'm not shooting up heroin anymore, I'm smoking pills. Well... And that, I've seen that withdraw. I've been in jail and seen people coming down off that stuff. Man, it's wow. No, it's not. It's not good. Not at all. It's not good at all. But they're saturating the, the country with it. I mean, it's not just they the are. homeless that are doing it. it. It's doctors and lawyers yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and police officers, you know, they're, they're in their closet, you know? It's it's a it's a, <clears throat> it's a a worldwide epidemic. It, well, I, wouldn't, I, I guess I can't really say worldwide. Uh, it's a nationwide epidemic. Oh, yes. It's most getting, definitely. It's getting definitely... Uh, for my and for what I think, this is Bo speaking, the conspiracy theorist in the room. Oh, but there's two of us. There's two of us. Yeah, buddy. There you go. Okay, but anywho, uh, yeah, no, um, this is both of us speaking. No, this is Bo speaking. But I, I believe that the fentanyl is being shipped in through a uh, a dock in China. Like not well, a dock in China. It's a dock in California that China owns. With right. Let me interject. With everything that's going on in the world, with China and, and South Korea and North Korea and Russia and, 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 and Ukraine and all that uh, turmoil over on that side, and us wanting to step in and bully, um, if you look at it this way as a conspiracy, here's my conspiracy theory, what better way to take over a country than saturate those people with a drug or something that will make them incapacitated Correct. if they don't get it? And right. if they start to get, if they do get it, and they come off of it, they're like It's like they're zombies anyway. What better way to take over a country than saturate that country with that drug, stop it, take it away, and just walk right in? You're right. Step right over everybody because everybody's so freaking sick they can't do anything about it. Because when people come off fentanyl, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. It's wow. Lunchbox. What? So, <clears throat> the last time that we were talking. Uh, the video and everything, the audio, it all cut out right in the middle of what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing that we were talking about is uh, we're going in a little bit to about the assistance programs and what was available for the people, the campers that were that were out in the streets. Nothing. Elaborate, please. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, there really isn't anything available right now. All the shelters are, all the beds are full. They're not opening any new beds. Um, most, of, from what I understand, most of the programs are full, um, and they're not taking anybody. Uh, 
there's, there's waiting lists on several of them. Uh, it's just, it's really, it's really bad right now. Uh, it's the middle of winter. They're kicking people out of their camps in the middle of winter. Where are they going to go? All of these cities around us have uh, instituted their anti-camping ordinances and are enforcing them, which is fine. I mean, they have a right to do that, but when it comes down to humanity and people being human, why would you wait till the middle of winter in one of the coldest winters we're having in recent times and then move people when you had the summer that you knew about it? You know, it's, it, it's, it's people are getting sick and people are, you know, people are dying. Really, when it comes down to it, people are freezing and dying. Do you think that it, uh, that at all this might uh, like the fact that they're deciding that they're going to do this shit right at that point in time when the winters are getting really cold, when the times are getting really tough? Do you think that that might have anything to do with any kind of depopulation agenda? And, uh, that's a big conspiracy. I don't. Yes and no. Um, as far as depopulation, no. I think. What it boils down to is nobody wants to see the homeless. Here, like here, like in this area, I can't say no, yes or no for any other areas. Um, I've heard things, I've heard different conspiracies, I've seen things. Um, I, I definitely think that there's something going on. Yeah. As for our area here, no. I think it's just that people don't want to see homeless. They don't want to realize that the homeless actually exist because they don't want to deal with the problem. Right. Um, the funding's there. It's just not being utilized. I personally think it's there. I know it's there. It's just not being utilized the way it needs to be. I mean, they're sending so much money to Ukraine. Yeah. You know, you could think that maybe with the, with the, with the tens of billions of dollars that they're sending out to a foreign country, that maybe they could uh, dissipate a little bit of that wealth into our own. I think they need to focus on home before they focus anywhere else. Um, they're giving illegal aliens money and college funds and, you know, jobs. Well, we've got people out here freezing and dying that are Americans. Right. That are not illegal aliens or a cardholder. You know, I mean, I'm all for somebody coming in and going through, jumping through the hoops. They need you to become a U.S. citizen. I, I get that. But allowing somebody to come through and, and, and not be a, a natural citizen or, or, or hold an alien card... Um, and just give them money and give them a place to live when we've got people out here on the streets. We have veterans that have fought wars yeah. for our right to be here free on the streets dying while we're feeding other people from other countries. Let their country handle them. Yeah, I agree. I, I, just, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. I agree wholeheartedly, brother. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, <clears throat> honestly, I don't, I don't think that any of that money that is being sent to Ukraine is going anywhere that helps anything. I think it's probably going right back into Biden's pocket. But that's a conversation for another day. Right. Because um, <clears throat> we're here talking about the face of homelessness. We're trying to trying to talk about this shit uh, more so instead of politics. Um, but, you know, most, most conversations that I do have always kind of bleed into politics. Well, it's all when it all rolls into it together. Yeah, it really does. So another thing, too, uh, when we're talking about funding with programs and stuff, um, we see an uprise in harm reduction centers, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we have government funding that's going to the production of syringes, the production of cook spoons the production of uh i mean narcan narcan is a very good thing to give out yeah narcan's a very good thing to give out 
Uh, one thing that I have a problem with, one thing that I don't think is right, is that you can go to a harm reduction center and you can get everything that you need to kill yourself. However, when you ask them if they have any resources for you to get clean, uh, they have nothing. And they say they say it's, it has to do with funding. They say, oh, we, we, we can't fund it. We don't have the resources to do that right now. <laughs> However, if you don't have the resources to do that, I never thought in my life that I would ever see uh, government-produced cook spoons. That th those have to be made somewhere. Those are being th th there's a production mm -hmm. for that. That is being produced somewhere. Okay. Um, obviously, it is being funded by the government because it is given. It's being given out by the government. Right. So, in, in my opinion, if we have the funding to produce a bunch of fucking cook spoons and a bunch of syringes and a bunch of cottons and a bunch of salines and a bunch of tie-offs and all the shit that people need to go kill themselves. I think that we should have the funding uh, for people to get clean. I agree to a point. Um, yes, I think the funding for people to get clean is there. It's just the want for people to get clean. If a person wants to get clean, they're going to seek it out. Or if the outreach teams come through and hand you a card, they're going to want to do that. More so, it, it, more often than not, they don't want to get the help. They want to stay in their misery or they want to stay in their addiction. Which brings the the harm the 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 ah, the needle exchange people is what we call them out here. Um, I personally believe it saves a lot uh, of diseases. Um, sure, somebody's going to kill themselves. They're going to do it. They're going to do it anyway. And what's the difference between you if you're going to get a free needle or go to go to the pharmacy and buy one? You're going to get it anyway. So somebody's they're going to if you, they're going to die, they're going to die. They're going to do it on their own. Um, I, I, I agree with the, the needle exchange because, like I said, it cuts back on, on disease spreading. Um, it, it just, it, it helps more than it hinders. You know, people aren't stealing it. They're not, I mean, they're exchanging it. In, in this area, I know, uh, you know, all our people or all the people out here that do shoot up, uh, they save their clean or their dirties and they turn them in instead of throwing them out in the woods or, I mean, granted, you, you'll see them here and there. But for the most part, in this area, from what I've seen, there aren't a bunch of needles laying around and, and dirty, you know, dirty syringes and, and cookers and, and salines and all that. It's pretty well policed out here. Right. And, and, and the, the needle exchange people push that, you know, hey, like if you give a certain amount of dirties, they'll give you a certain amount of cleans back, which gives people incentive to not leave their shit laying around everywhere. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, that's the, a good thing. The, the funding, yeah, I mean... Yeah, the, I agree. I, I think that they should keep funding that, even if it keeps me on the street a little bit longer. Um, it just, it helps. It really does. I just wish for more resources, like for, we you, all you know what I'm saying? We I just wish do. for more, because I, I personally, I have gone to needle exchanges. Right. And I've done the whole fucking shebang, dog. I've gone there, I got my, my, my shit that I, that, and yeah. then I've asked them. They don't, and they don't have anything. That's, yeah, and that's just that, that's just part of me on the opposite as, end of as being like a as being like somebody that I don't know I don't know uh, I don't shoot up personally I've never done it and I and I, and I, I just I, I won't it just I ugh, needles I have a phobia I agree um, I understand that that doesn't mean I, I I look down on people that do everybody has a, a that's somebody's way to a means and whatever um, the needle exchange people are on the opposite end I believe of the spectrum. When it comes to asking for resources uh, for for being clean, 
they're there to help people health-wise. I understand. Uh, with with regards to the the needles and the and the cookers and all that. I understand. Um, I, I know that a lot of them don't have that that stuff. You have, would have to go to like Greater Lakes or one of the outreach places in the area, and they'll have a lot more a lot more resources. Um, I'm lucky that one of the counselors or one of the outreach people from Greater Lakes is a very close friend of mine from like elementary school, mm-hmm. and um, she's very Johnny on the spot. Could you say if somebody wants to get into treatment, they're serious? Yeah. I just I call her up and, and get them in touch with her. They'll come down. They do a, a an evaluation within a week, and within usually two weeks they're gone into treatment. That's good. Um, that makes me feel a little bit better about yeah. my like because I'm pretty black pilled when it comes to. <laughs> When I'm thinking about <clears throat> how the government is taking care of our people in the streets. They're not. They're not. Oh, okay. At the same time. It's Black like, pill dosed. <laughs> no, no, they're, 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 they do a census every year or every couple of years um, with the homeless. Well, they'll come through to all the camps and they mark down how many homeless there are and talk ah. to them for a minute. And that's supposed to be so that the government knows how much funding to give each city or each county uh, towards their homeless population and, and, and the issue. Um I think it's a horrible way to do it, but I can't think of any other way really to get anything close. Um, the homeless are very sketchy. <laughs> you know, they, they don't want to deal a lot with, with with outreach people or, you know, because those outreach people bring police. Police bring jail. Jail, you know. Yes. So yeah, who, wants, sure. who wants to make sure they get counted to get money they're never going to see because they just got their ass thrown in jail for getting counted? Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it just it's... But, I mean, I can't think of another way to do it, really. Um... I don't know the numbers. I don't know how to run the numbers like like these guys do. Um, it's sad. Yeah. There's a lot of people out here that need the help, and if they just have the offer, the opportunity, um, I think they'd take it. But like I said, with the outreach people comes the police, and nobody wants to talk to the police out here. Yeah. I'm going to pause, and then we'll start again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, with police comes... Most times, bad things. You get the police, you get the Department of Transportation, you get people coming in tearing camps up, um, and that—that's—that's—that's. That's, that's, yeah, I think that's a really big thing that a lot of people, a lot of the general population, really doesn't understand. Is that you could have like, I mean, for me personally, like uh, when I first uh, was kind of out on the streets and shit, like I had everything that I had, you know, and. Uh, and that's like, like I, I took a lot of my sentimental stuff that I had from being a kid, whatever. And uh, within a year, half a year, you know, six, everything was gone. Yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's really hard to man- maintain any type of, uh, for me at least, n- normality. Uh, 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 I don't know what the word is. I lost all my sentimental stuff years ago. Right. Um, and then. <laughs> It sucks. It really does. But in the long run, you can't take it with you when you die. Memories are memories. Um, like, I had, a, I had some pictures of my real father. He passed away when I was two. Um, the Piala Police Department destroyed camps. They told us we could step out of the area. They were just going to be there to clean up the garbage, and then we could all go back. When we all went back, they had destroyed all the tents. They had taken everything down. They were throwing it in trash bins, and we weren't allowed to go back. I had some of the only hard copies of my, my real father's pictures. Um, and some other, you know, sentimental things that were all trashed, gone, done. Um, it hurts, but like I said, I came to the realization at that point, you, I can't take it with me when I'm dead. And, and really, when a person's gone, when a person passes, 
they're gone, but they're not really truly gone until you stop talking about them and remembering them and telling stories. It's at that time when you stop doing that or you stop remembering the good times you had with that person is when a person truly dies. You know, that's just my personal opinion. Um, as long as people are still telling stories, then that person is just as alive as you or I. Yeah, we live on through the legacy that we make. Right, 100%. Um, it's tough to, to, to fathom. It's a rough one. There's a lot of death that goes on out here. Uh, um, a lot of people, you get close to people, uh, people overdose, people freeze to death or hit by a car or, or beat to death or stabbed or murdered. It's it's, it's really bad, man. It's, it's, I've dealt with a lot of death since I've been homeless in my 10 years. It's a whole other subject, man, because I got tired of going to funerals and, and, and memorials for my friends. Right. Um, it gets old. Yeah. Uh, there was a time where I lost I right around 32 friends in about 47, 48 months, so that's almost a friend a month for three years on average, you know, if you, if you average it out. I'm just tired of going to memorials. I just don't do it anymore. I'll say goodbye to my friends in my own way. You know? That's not something that a lot of people have to deal with. No, it's not. It's not something that a lot of people have to deal with. And I, I, I and, and like, it, God, dude, speaking like of overdoses, the overdoses lately have been outrageous, outrageous, fucking through the roof. <clears throat> Nothing like we have ever seen before in America. Uh, we have a fucking problem going on, boys. Like, there's a problem going on. You're telling me something I don't already know. You know, um, no, I'm telling I'm telling them something they don't already know. They, they know. They know. Yeah, I'm you, see you, know, the you see it in the papers, you read about it, you hear about it, but until you've actually lived it, it's a different story. You could hear about it, you could see about it, but if you get like, do you care about it? You yeah. know that yeah, this I mean, is, you know, I'm like obviously you do. Obviously <laughs> you do. Um but I'm talking like GP type status. A lot, you know of, what I'm saying? A lot of GP don't care because to to them the people that die of overdoses are junkies and, 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 and thieves and, and this and that. But, you know, you have to remember at the same time, we're not all bad people out here. It's extremely unfair to think that everybody that is out in, in a situation there's, there's like this is. There's just as many junkies out here on the street as there are, there are in the general population. It's just they're behind closed doors and in a closet. That's my opinion. It's, yeah, dude, it's fucking... Y'all would be so surprised how many motherfuckers smoke meth. Y'all be so surprised... How many motherfuckers smoke meth? I'd like to see the results of a, of a just a random pop-in drug test for the government. Literally. Just go down to the Tacoma City building and... Oh, drug test everybody now. Yeah, literally. They, they'd all <laughs> fucking see, pop. They'd all pop. pop. They'd be popping for all sorts of shit, dude. They'd be popping for all sorts of shit, dude. Like, these politicians, bro, they, they're... Yeah, they're... Uh, yeah, they like the drugs. I've been... I've been at a... At a, a years ago, I was at a... a I was staying at a dealer friend of mine's house. It wasn't a trap house. It was actually a, a nice, decent place. And you would have been amazed as to how many county, city officials actually came through quietly on the down low late yeah. at night and, 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 and got their whatever their drug of choice was uh, at the time. Uh, it floored me the first you know month I was there. I was like, I can't believe this shit. Right. You know? And then you go in front of you know a judge that you've seen in that spot you know and i'm on you know I'm, i got myself in trouble and, and, and i'm looking at that guy and I'm just thinking wow how hypocritical is this literally how hypocritical is this but you can't do or say anything about it because number one they're never going to believe you number two they're going to crack you off anyway <laughs> it's funny 
But Dirty yeah, dogs, man. Nine times out of ten, a lot of the people that are chastising and putting people down are just right there with you. They're just in the closet and, and are, are too good for, feel that they're too good for. I'm not that person. I, I can maintain a job. Well, guess what, guys? It always gets you in the end. It always no gets you No matter how long, it'll get you every time. I think that I think that it's different, though, for like the higher up higher ups because they never, ever experience a point in time in which they start fiending. Oh, but you they know, will. You know? It'll get them in the I'm telling you right now, it takes everything. It'll take everything. And it's and people say, oh, well, I mean, I'm a working, functioning addict. And well, guess what? For now. For now. Maybe, you could be Chris Farley. Maybe tomorrow. On motherfucking, uh, uh, what's that shit called? That, what, what's Saturday Chris Night Live. Saturday Night Live. You could be Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live, coked out of your fucking mind, you know, running up on stage, flapping your titties all around, screaming about shit, and then you're going to die of a heart attack because that shit's that shit and it's going to kill you. You never know. You never fucking know. Tomorrow's never promised. It's never promised. And every, every, I mean, just in, in, in like everyday life, everyday life is a gamble. Everyday life is a gamble. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's funny to me. It could be, you know. No, no, I mean, if you're general public, yeah, every life is a gamble. Heck, the odds go up exponentially when you become homeless. Hey, that's what I'm saying. I mean, but. That's what I'm saying. It goes never, up exponentially. Never in my entire life did I ever think that I would be sitting on a Christmas in a camp around a campfire with friends. None of us have anything, but we all have each other. You know, smoking meth, drinking beer, whatever, whatever their drug of choice was, just drown the pain of whatever it is got us here. Um, it's just, it's crazy. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking like this to get people to feel sorry for me or anybody else. Because me personally, I put myself here. Nobody put a pipe to my mouth and said, here, hit this. Nobody forced the shit on me. I chose to try it myself, so in, in the long run, my actions made me homeless. And, you know, I know that. It's a long, hard road to get out once you're here. It's, it's, a, it's a deep hole once you're here. But, given enough gumption, I guess, or, or you know, if you want out bad enough, you can get out. You know, it's a, even though I've dug myself a deep hole, I'm working my way out, one, you know, just one shovel full at a time. You know, um, I got friends out here that, that I care for. They're family. You know, they become family. We all become family in one way, shape, or form. Right. Um, and there's a camaraderie. And when it's your time to go, it's like move out or they move you out. Like I got put into the hotel program just before Thanksgiving. I still come out here every day. Uh, my friends are here. You know, and, and it's helping me by coming out here and still going back. It's helping me transition a little bit better, right? Than just leaving and, and, and leaving all these guys alone. I, I just, I, I feel guilty in a way. You uh, almost get a little institutionalized to homelessness. Um, yeah. You know, what I, like I, they, they that, consider it a, a disease. Uh, like you can get SSI for being homeless because of PTSD or other other things. I, from what I understand, um, I can see that. 100% like we were talking about earlier all the deaths and, and, and all the all the stuff that comes along with being homeless I mean it's just like homesteading back in the days is how, kind of how I look at it you, you have a great summer but you know you know it's summertime you have to remember you need to prepare yourself for what's going to happen this winter 
be it gathering propane or firewood or you know clothes anything you know food stores whatever um granted if, if anybody that i've been around in, in my area if any of us ran out of anything you could just go to the next person and say hey you know can i you know, can, can you spare some some food or some water or, or clothing nobody out here in this area is going to deny you of that not one bit um yeah drugs that's a different, different matter <laughs> yeah i know but as far as is, is being a family in the camaraderie, um, nobody in this area is going to let another person freeze or, 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 or be cold or, you know, hungry. It just doesn't happen, which is lucky. I've seen other places. I, 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 I've been all over the world before I became homeless. I've traveled a lot, and I've seen ghettos, and I've seen, you know, different countries and how what it looks like to be homeless in that area, just driving through. Um, it's bad, man. If, if, if we think this is bad, try being homeless in Puerto Rico or, or in, a, in a ghetto there. I mean, right. I, I only spent like 15 hours there. And, and to get from the port to downtown, you have to go through, you know, the, the different neighborhoods. And by God, I think we have it pretty good here. Comparatively, right? Yeah, comparatively speaking, yeah. Comparatively. Um, I just wish the government would do more. As do I, man. And and that's that's honestly like, you know, with this with this, I'm just hoping to kind of open the eyes up to some people. And uh, I mean, I don't really know if I believe in voting, but <laughs> if it did work, I would hope that people would fucking vote for uh, you know less camping bans and less anti-homeless laws and uh, less different types of uh, you know just what they try to do with our uh, with our with our infrastructure, the shit that they're doing with like the, the benches and whatnot and everything that's just all anti-homeless. Like, I just want to see if I could fucking maybe do a little part in steering people's opinions a little bit. I'm glad to help, you know, as much as I can, um, putting a face in a name, the homelessness, you don't see it a lot unless somebody dies or it's the Christmas time, you know, right around the Christmas holiday season, everybody wants to ramp up about, Oh, the homeless this, the homeless that. Well, <laughs> We're here all year round, guys. <laughs> right. You know? Um, and like I said, we're not all bad people. We're not all thieves. We're not We're not all fucking hookers or, you know, it's just sometimes things in life happen. And they're non-discriminate. It can happen at any time. Yeah, anybody could end up in this position. Like I said, 90% of people out there in the, in the, like, in the GP or the real world, are about a paycheck away from where we are you know so chastising and talk down to us all you want we're still going to be the first ones to offer you a code if you're cold or food if you're hungry it's true it's true man you know uh, yeah well lunchbox thank you for talking to me Not again problem, man. thank you bro thanks buddy yep yep anytime all right man talk to you soon <clears throat> all right this is uh another part of the face of homelessness we're now talking to nick nick how are you doing tonight buddy i'm good how are you i'm doing dandy bro um you're a veteran yes sir. you are um fucking a so out, out <laughs> i know i'll be saying like wanna, i want to talk about a bunch of shit but then when the camera's rolling i'm like eh, eh, stage right eh, eh. you know yeah it's what happens stage fright it does um <clears throat> but anywho bro how are you doing tonight Good, yeah, doing all right. You know, another day living. How are things out here, bro? Uh, 
how are things out here? Uh, well, right now they're good, but uh, 10 minutes from now, you know, it could change. You never yeah. know out here. Yeah, this is crazy about it. It's like uh, living on the edge, kind of. Right. You never know what's going to happen. It's a fast life. Yeah. Live fast, die young, GGLing type shit? Uh, I don't know, but probably. Yeah. I don't know if I would want to die young. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to die young either. But that was just a quote from fucking GG. He was his tattoo on his arm. It was fucking live fast, die young with a little gravestone. You know? Yeah, yeah uh, that guy's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> he really is. GG Allen's a piece of shit. But we're uh, taking quotes off his shoulder. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> that piece of shit. No, <laughs> fuck, dude. Bro, the sense of community down here. Like, how, how's that? The sense of community, like there is a sense of community. People are taking care of each other. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you know, it's the way that I can best describe it would be like uh, back in the like the fifties and the forties. You know, people used to take care of each other. You know, it, it, you, when you said community, you meant the whole fucking town. It's camaraderie. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Same with fucking being in the military, man. Fucking. Uh, Anyway, in the military, we were a community because we were brothers. You know, we uh, we all went through the same things for each other. You know, that's kind of like the same thing here. Uh, being homeless, you know, fucking, we're all going through it. You know, uh, in one way or another. Some, some, we're all here for different reasons. You know, and uh, what brought us here. But uh, we all go through basically the same issues, and uh, so we help each other. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, some people sometimes have bad days, you know, some people, you know, have good days and help bring other people up, you know? Yeah. So it, it's all a matter of, uh, perspective. Yes. Self-love is a really hard thing to acquire. Self-love? Self-love. Like just being like, okay, I'm not going to do this today because I care enough about myself to not do this today. Yeah. That's a very fucking hard thing to acquire. That's a very hard thing to master. And that's that's uh, <clears throat> a big part of what I think of, like, when it comes down to homelessness in America. Like, a lot of people want to be like, oh, yeah, you need to do this, 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 or this. But it's like, have you ever been put in the situation where you have been forced to do this, 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 or this, and, and you need to do that for your survival? And, like, and do you know how it feels to be able to uh, make oneself do that for your survival? You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you this, man. I'm probably happier out here with myself than most people are that have houses and live normal lives. And that's because every day I have to get up, I have to do something in order to improve me, improve my way of life. Right. And that's what I strive to do every day, you know? And I try to help other people see that, you know, this isn't like most people. Most people out there, you know, that are driving around in their fancy cars or whatever. Like we're in, we're in '93, Geo Metro. Right. You know what I'm saying? All right. Just and people are out out there driving around in Infinities and Ferraris and just hating life because they have all these bills and all these stresses and shit. You know. And yeah. you know, being here, you know, you got stress. You know, I I don't know when the you know cops are gonna come kick us out. You know, every day. It could be right now. Anytime the DOT can come through. Anytime, you know, because they could come in, they could be like, hey, pack shit, you gotta go. 
and your whole structure, everything that you've been working for could be fucking gone. Yeah. Gone. I mean, I put a lot of work into that fucking little cabin that I got built for me and my girlfriend, you know, so, and, no, you know, a lot of people are out here intense, you know, and, and as, you know, some of us are lucky enough to have RVs, right? you know, uh, but and a, a lot of us are just sleeping in our cars, right. if they're lucky right. enough to have a car, but yeah. there are a lot of people that are happier than people that have houses, you know, six bedroom houses or 12, whatever, you know, and yeah, it's crazy because you wouldn't think that, it, I wouldn't think that that would be a, a real thing, you know. Breaking free from the system is a beautiful thing, honestly. Yeah. Like, breaking free from the system is a beautiful thing and like, not not having to answer to their bullshit, you know, it's 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 an awesome, it's a beautiful thing, dude. And and like and I and like uh, <clears throat> part for me, like when when I was uh, going through what I was going through, um, more so than the drugs, uh, more so than anything else, I was addicted to the lifestyle. I was addicted to the lifestyle, dude. I know all about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was addicted to the turn and burn type lifestyle. Like, I wanted to fucking turn and burn all the time. We don't turn and burn it. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, I was, I was addicted to the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I was addicted to what I was doing. I was addicted to all the people that relied on me because of the fact that I had dope. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I about that. It, it, it was just like. It was a crazy thing, and like me becoming separate from that lifestyle has also been a crazy thing. Like it's been, it's been a, it's been a wild, uh, it's been a wild adjustment. Like I don't, I, I don't want to be a product of capitalism. Like that's, that's not what I want to be. I don't want to be a product of capitalism. Like yeah. I don't want to be another fucking Joe Schmo, uh, working my nine to five every single day, which I am. I am a Joe Schmo that works my nine to five every day. Yeah, you're a normie now. Yeah, I'm a normie now. Like straight up. Is that crazy? It's so crazy, dude. It's fucking crazy and it trips me out. And it's like, it's hard to continue living a normal life when I know that there are very much so easier options. Where's it lead it to? It leads back to me, uh, to how I feel now. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. <laughs> my friends are dying. Yeah. My friends are dying, dying. You know? And my yeah. soul is dying. Like, uh. It's a really big fucking mental, mental fuck. It's a mental fuck, dude. It's not, it's not something that is easily taken in by the GP. Like, it's not something that most people could understand. Um, well, here's the thing, man. Me and you kind of are, are, you know, we're, we're kind of the same, because I can be selling one thing, but morally not wanting to sell the other. Right. And if I don't sell the other, then I don't sell the other. Or right. Then the first thing. Yep, exactly. And the first thing supports me in my habit. And the second thing is all profit and pays for everything. That's that fucking exactly where but I was, bro. The second thing kills people. Yes. That's where the first thing just makes you stay up and think that everybody's after you. Yep. You know, so it's like, if I don't sell the second thing, then I can't support my first thing, and I don't make any money, and then where am I now? It's a fucking cycle, dude. It's like, it's, it's, it's a cycle of madness. It's a it's cycle of insanity, fuck. bro. And then, yeah. when it comes down to it, though, bro, like, bro... 
Like, it all leads us down to the same fucking thing, dude. It leads, it, it takes us to death. Yeah, it takes prison. us to death or craziness. Or prison. Or prison, insanity, mm -hmm. rehab maybe if you're lucky. Or if, if you want to, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when I did though, I was on the streets when I did want that, when I did want rehab, that wasn't fucking available to me. Yeah. I, like, I didn't get, I didn't get that available to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never really, I've never asked for rehab or help. Or well, anything. try to, and they're going to tell you to go get fucked. <laughs> like, literally, go try to ask for help. They will tell you to get fucked. They'll be like, all right, well, uh, we need this, 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 or this, about blah, 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 blah. It's fucked up, dude. It's it's so fucked up, dude. It is so fucked up. I believe it. It's hard, dude. And it's hard for our people out here, man. And it's hard for the people that do, like, we got harm reduction centers that that, <laughs> that, 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 that want to be offering, like... Fucking Seattle. Seattle, yes, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. They want to give you the syringe, the yeah. cook spoon, the fucking tie-off. You Everything know, that you need to kill yourself. I'm pretty sure they even have the nurse to shoot you up. No, the, the fucking Christ, dude. And but 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 if you ask for resources to get better, we don't know what that is. We don't know what that <laughs> is. We don't have the funding for that, yeah, bro. What's that? No, we can give you everything else, but that. But that. I've never thought in my life that I would ever see government funding yeah. for government-produced cook spoons. Yeah, it's something. But it's real. That's real fucking life that's happening right now. I'd say at least 65-75% of military veterans are drug, drug addicts and homeless. And that's because of the stress and pressure that is put upon you during war. And seeing how we were just at war for 10 years. You're right. That's a lot of people. Okay, you gotta think how many people were in the military. Okay, how many people got out within that 10 years? Now take that number and go ahead and cut it in half. That's about how many people are homeless, veterans, and drug addicts. No. So, and that's because of the stress. We're not, we're, we're not taught, we're taught how to, you know, how to do our jobs under, under pressure. You know, that's why I handle pressure so well when things go down and fucking I can Because you know how to handle like a violent situation. Not only, yeah, but not only violence, but High stress. In, yeah, in, in war. It, it, Were you in active combat? Yeah, I got shot over in Iraq. That was combat infantry. Thank you for your service. Yeah, man. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to say. It was fun, but... Yeah, I know. mean, they program, like, they program you to fucking feel that way. Um, well, I, I mean, I've wanted to be a soldier since, like, I can remember, you know. It's a noble endeavor. Yeah, but it's not like it was back in the day, you know, where you get carried a sword in the battle and then... Baddest one wins, you know what I'm saying? No, it's uh, carry a gun in the battle and hope don't get shot. Have fun, right? And then you know, with the the way life is nowadays, you know, every everything's desensitized to, to violence, right? Man, I see some crazy shit over there. First time I ever got shot at, I almost died. It was crazy because I'm running up upstairs right to the third floor, just top of this little sand house in, in Iraq. Afghanistan? No, in Iraq, yeah. Running out to this little fucking top floor because uh, the best way to fucking secure the area is through from the top down. And uh, do overwatch, you know, so you can watch down the streets. You can see other top of the houses, you know, you can't get ambushed and anything below you. You can shoot at anything above you. And, you know, there shouldn't be anything above you. 
and uh, I'm running up. Me and my my buddy, one of my best friends, man, and uh, I kick open the door, and here's this dude with an AK-47, just like smiling. And like, the only thing I could think of is drop, and I dropped to the ground, and this dude pulled the trigger, and I could hear the bullets just right above my head hitting fucking rock or sand or whatever the hell it is and like scariest thing I've ever gone through and uh dude emptied almost a whole clip you know whole 30 rounds into this fucking sand or house that I would have you know if I would have just stood he was trying to kill you oh it definitely was trying to kill me he was trying to kill you absolutely he was trying to kill me he scared the shit out of me and uh, I had a, you know, I had a realization that, uh, you know, it, like, I don't want to say I snapped, but like things in my head changed at that point in time, because, you know, I realized that I'm not going to get through this without getting shot at, without getting the potential of dying. And uh, yeah, but lucky for my buddy that was literally right behind me, comes up takes him out Jesus fucking Christ yeah yeah that was fun that's before I even met you it's fucking Christ dude yeah <laughs> it's all good bud I love you man I love you too buddy thank you yeah no problem I mean there's people man I, I, I've pulled people out of burning humvees that have lost their legs and shit you know I've you know I've I've got shot man cause my Dumbass fucking company commander took us down the wrong road. You know? Guys into the wrong area. It's like gangland out there, you know? Right. We got we got tanks and humvees and heavy machine guns and these guys got RPGs and you know, assault rifles and IEDs, you know, they're using pipe bombs to blow us up, you know? Right. And we're using big ass tanks to fucking stop that, but that's not working, so I mean, next thing you know we're getting shot at from above around everywhere see muzzle flashes in every window and that's why when people out here you know they they think it's a game man when shooting off guns and shit <laughs> but uh like don't even fucking know but don't this, even fucking know the half of it dude. <laughs> like this one dude man fucking he was leaving here and i could hear him popping off 22 rounds you know i'm like over there over there over there shooters and then fucking He's leaving, he pulls out, he turns, and I can see him. I pop something out the window and shoot towards me. Like, when when, when, that, type, when that type of shit happens, it, it brings you back into that headspace, huh? Yeah. It brings you into that It brings me to the part where I can handle pressure and I can I can think clearly. Where you, you need to kill, you need to kill. Yeah. Yeah? I'm not trying to kill, but... But, you know, it, like, they... I will definitely, you know, there is a good possibility that somebody might get shot back. You know? Yeah. Somebody somebody shoots at somebody that's trained to handle things like that. And that's why that's why people that come out of the military that are combat infantry make good officers. Police officers. Because mm -hmm. they're not afraid to do what needs to be done if things go down to that, towards that area, you know? Because they've done it before. They've trained for it. You know, that's what the military does. They teach you every day. They take you out and they they give you a thousand rounds. You know, tell you where to shoot, shoot at it. 
closer you get, the better it is. Hey man, I, I tell, tell you what, at 30 rounds, I can put 29 of them in the right spot. So, I mean, they taught me very well. Trying to kill. Yep, trying to kill. And, uh, once you kill your first person, man, it's, it's a whole different thing. Have you? What? That's the one? Yeah. Is it hard to deal with? Uh, first. Is it something that, that affects you now? Yeah. Yeah. Every day. You know, you will never forget. No. And I, and I, I wouldn't even try to fucking think that I could ever understand that type of thing in my head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, especially over in Iraq, man. They, they, they do some fucked up things, but it's ideology. Right. It's not, it's not uh, your job to go do this. In their eyes, it is their God-given right to defend their land. Which it should be for everybody, you know. If, if there's an invading too, right? force, like they say if there's an invading force or fucking uh, something that's jeopardizing your way of life, it is your responsibility to take this into action and stop that. God saves, homie. Yeah. God saves. Like I, don't, I like I literally don't know what else to say besides that. But God saves, I guess. Uh, you know, some some people don't believe in God. Um, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure if I believe in God. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, that's a whole different topic for a different, late, different, yeah. different time, because I've seen some shit. If there was a God, I don't know how a kid, he could stand some, letting people do that, do things like that. Yeah, I get the whole free will, you know, whatever. I understand that. I get that. And, uh, but these guys are, I mean, Wrong man. Yeah, these guys are demons, if anything. You know, you know how they say demons possess bodies? Yeah. Then that's exactly what people that I, that I've seen. You know, not not just not just over in Iraq, but over here too. Like, there's some fucked up people, dude. And I don't know what is wrong with people. Like, down at the port, there was this chick that got burned alive in an RV. Because she was stuck in a cage. Christ. Fucking Christ, dude. Could you imagine getting burned alive? No, not fucking Christ. Because you dude. can't get out. You know, and 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 the funny thing—it's not even funny. It's the fucked up thing is that dude that did it. Everybody knows he did it. You know, but nothing's being done about it because we're homeless. No one gives a fuck. That's why people around here, you know, people take things into their own hands, you know, because something's got to be done for people like that, you know, like, she had kids. Yeah, yeah, I know, brother, I know, I know, brother. And, like, you got to be a fucked up individual to put somebody in a cage and light your RV on fire. Yeah. You do. I mean, people tried to get her out, and uh, they got the cats out. Is that in Seattle? No, it's down in the port, right here in Tacoma. Tacoma? Yeah. Oh, fucking shit, dude. Like, uh, not even a month ago. Fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, shit's getting bad, boys. It's getting bad. Not only that, there's a serial killer down in Tacoma. Yeah? 
It's uh, going around killing homeless women. I've heard about them. I've heard about them. Mm-hmm. I've heard about and, them. Uh, even worse, the fucked up thing is, is uh, the police know about it. Yeah, I mean, supposedly they're doing something about it. They haven't leaked it to the, the media. Or the, well, if they have, the media's not producing it and telling everybody, you know, hey, there's, there's, there's a guy out there skinning females alive and murdering them and then leaving their fucking bodies. I mean, like... Next level shit, dude. Yeah, this is, this is like... Dexter style shit. Yeah, none of that. Like, uh, law and order, you know? Like, like literally. Yeah, like, this is that those kind of scenarios where they these fucking people that write TV shows come up with shit. Yeah. And fucking... I've never had to deal with something like that. No. But I'll tell you what. I, I, every chance I get, I teach my girl how to shoot. You know, I try to desensitize her to the to the gunshot going off. Right. You know, because that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's a fucked reality, Burble. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta <clears throat> arm yourself. You gotta be able to... Take care. Yeah. Take care of yours and this. Because the know. cops ain't gonna fucking protect us. They're not doing shit. What are they gonna do? They're gonna take 20 minutes to get anywhere you're at. Even if your fucking house is on fire. 20 minutes later. Your shit's gone. All right, where's the fire department? It's not here. I mean, DOT put these fucking, these concrete blocks up, right? So, why? So we can't have any more people come over? Man, people are still getting here. You can get in and out, no problem. But you can't get anything big in and out, such as a fire truck. Right. You know? So, what happens to the fire truck when you can't figure out how to get in here? He turns around. Well, this is a busy-ass road. He gets sideswiped. A semi truck or T bone, you know, where people die because fucking somebody's watching over here and not paying attention to what they're doing, drives into a fucking another car, right? You know, because DOT fucking put ecology blocks up so they can't fucking put other people here. Like, why can't the, the city, state, county, whatever, come up with enough money, which I know they have, they got a whole fucking fund, it's a trust fund. Yeah, you know, and you got they spent three hundred sixty-five or three hundred sixty-seven million dollars on a freeway improvement project, but they can't go spend three hundred fifty thousand on like a, a couple acres of land and put you know whoever wants to live there, go there. You got certain rules. Don't break them or you can't come back. You know, useful. Like. How is that not a thing? I don't know. If you can spend $367 million to build a fucking freeway extension, but you can't spend, what, a tenth of that? Not even a tenth. It's like a thousandth. You know? I mean, that's how much money is going in the, in the contractor's pocket. Because he overbidded over, over it. By yeah. Like, Whatever, you know, whatever amount. He's going to go buy a new house over in fucking California. Government jobs are the best yeah. ones, man. Right? You fucking, you fucking, you fucking. Well, you know what they say, man. Fucking, if you got five guys in the union working, four guys are fucking on a coffee break. That's right. And That's right. the fifth guy's on a supervisor. Yep. So. And, you know, it's going to take them years to, con to do this project. Okay, so you got it. 
all these union dudes because no one no one else can work for city county or state um besides union saying like their contracts or something and you guys can't get that shit done in a year two years whatever it takes and you're gonna be over budget already at 367 million dollars all right you know and every every i don't care what project it is every project that has to do with government officials goes over budget by at least 10 million why is that fucking underground bases bro <laughs> takes military for example right you got a goddamn fucking toothbrush it costs ten thousand dollars and it's plastic you don't do nothing special besides brush your teeth. Yeah. Why does it cost $10 million? Hammer costs fucking $1,000? Nail 500 Come on. They're doing it on purpose. Absolutely. It's Absolutely all about money. Purpose. It's all on purpose. Right? When I was in prison, DOC... <laughs> you know, like this. DOC was getting money from the state and paying themselves. Okay? So DOC is the Department of Corrections part of the state. Hey, their funding, which just got cut down and reduced to almost like a, a, like a third of what they were, they had to shut down units uh, where, you know, they had rapists, child molesters, murderers, you know, all these other guys. Mm -hmm. Bad people, you know, like super bad people. And pretty much set them free. In a way, you know, you got lifers on McNeil Island living the life because they got their own apartments, and they're they're the highest level sex offenders you can find. Yeah, like these guys will rape a bunny, you know. Yeah, Just, they'll fuck anything, you know. Yeah, and they're living the life on McNeil Island. Yeah, they got their own island in an apartment. Yes, yeah, fucking shit, bro. That's <laughs> literally absent shit, bro. And you're trying to fucking say that drug dealers are worse than child molesters, rapists, murderers, you know, and, and you're giving this guy that's just trying to make a life, you know, a living, you know, and you're giving him nine to ten, or like seven and a half to ten years for selling some drugs that they're just going to get somewhere else. Right. You know, I mean... And you can't stop the drugs, man. It's a, it's a slave system, bro. It is. <laughs> it's literally a slave system. They want us all to... You're uh, all homeless, man. Because fucking... They want us all fucked, dude. It's, yeah, it's crazy. I'm going to cut this. Edit. I'm going to go home at some point, so... You look tired. I am. What yeah. are you doing in here? Huh? What are you doing right now? I, Why are you I'm, here? I come down to talk to people, man. That's it. I don't just fuck me. I don't even do dope. I don't do nothing. I know that's good. I'm so proud of you. And being around people that do the things that you used to do. I'll tell you this right now from personal experience, man. I'll give I'll give you this. You have more self control than I do. Yeah. How long have you been sober? Two years. Twenty four months. You have a sponsor. Yeah, cold turkey without a a a. Yeah. I almost died. I got put in the hospital. My lungs got septic. I woke up, I didn't recognize my daughter. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? That's the, that's the, uh, the girl fucking, that was in your it, back seat? I didn't recognize, uh-huh. That's the girl that was in your back seat a couple days ago? Yeah. 
How old is she? She's six now. Really? I got a four-year-old. Yeah, she's six now. This is my life. Huh? She's a lot of my life, man. Yeah, I miss my daughter. I could just, I didn't recognize her, so, you know. And my daughter's four years old. Do you know how many times, or like how long she's known me? How long? That's six months. I'm sorry. No, it's not, you know, it, it's not, it's not her fault, man. It's mine. And, uh, if there was anything I could do in this world to go back four years ago and change what I was doing and do what you do, you know, be able to just stop. Cause I had an option to, I was asking myself like, what do I do? Do I stay on 512 and go home? Do I get off 512 and go sell a sack with 70 bucks? <laughs> and like, and then go home? Do I not go home at all? I chose wrong, man. I fucking, I chose to go get the, the money over every, everything else. Every day is a choice, friend. Every day is a choice, mm -hmm. you know? Just like this time, I, mean, I was almost four years sober. And you can be that again. Nick. Oh yeah, I know. If I wanted to be, I'm not ready. I know it. I mean, yeah. I I'm getting yeah. close to that point, but I can't leave. The, I can't leave the ones I love. I know. I'm uh, too low for that. It's the hardest part of getting sober when you're a camper. It's like you can't leave your homies. <laughs> I can't leave my girl. Yeah. But if I, I, I mean, if I was to go get sober. Granted, I would get sober for my daughter, but it would be the hardest decision I would have ever made because I love my girlfriend. Right. You know, and uh, she made me, you know, she may fucking drive me the fucking crazy, but I love her, you know, she, uh, she's always there, man. She's, she's loyal too. She's, you know, she's, uh, she's with it. When we first started coming down here, dude, bitches were fucking, they were trifling. Like, they were they, out of pocket. <laughs> she she put every single one of them in check. Nice. Yeah, she's like, no, fuck you. You ain't nice. doing that shit. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, she beat three bitches up. Bitches won't even talk to me anymore. Because she just wants to fucking... They're scared, bro. <laughs> they are hell scared. It's funny. That's fucking awesome. And fucking, uh... You know, fucking, if a, if a bitch is fucking acting out of pocket, because, you know, that's what they do, she is more than willing to be like, look, bitch, no. <laughs> and, uh, that's know, a good one, bro. It's, uh, you gotta keep that. That's a good one to keep, you know? Yeah. I'm cutting this interview off now, because... I was going to go ahead and already press fucking... Alright, brother, my name's Bo. Um... This is the first time I've ever met you, but my name's Bo, and like I said, I was doing this shit with, uh, it's called The Face of Homelessness, and it's my internet show, basically. <clears throat> I used to be uh, on the streets, I used to be doing a shit, you know, I, I released my podcast over Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, BitChute, Rumble, uh, all this type of shit. Basically, I'm just trying to hear, I'm just here trying to talk to people that are experiencing the shit firsthand. You know what I'm saying? So, um, anything that you would be willing to tell me, brother, like, uh, anything about your life, anything about your story, anything about, like, what, what, uh, if I could ask you one question, uh, what are the resources available to the homeless? Like, do, are there many resources available? I mean... What I've utilized around here was uh, New Hope Center. 
down the hill from where we're at right now. Uh, they give, I mean, free lunches. Um, they help you with, you know, you can call like 211 or something like that. Yeah. Um, in Catholic Community Services, I know I've heard of them, but other than that, I don't know much of anything, you know. Um, I just became homeless, I don't know, probably about a week now. Yeah. I mean, actually, like, homeless, like, I live in out of a tent or, you know, on the streets. I mean, I've lived in the garage for the past three years, four years, you know, but it's just hard, man. It's difficult. It is. You know? A lot of people don't recognize that. They don't mm -hmm. recognize that, and they don't want to put any type of effort to making anything better for anybody else. Uh, we got a lot of bougie motherfuckers that want to be walking around shit, uh, you know, acting in any way that they want to act. Like I personally, me, myself walking down the street, <clears throat> doing whatever I'm doing, someone clenched their motherfucking purse when I walk by. You know shit, what I'm saying? Man, I already know. I got profiled three times today just walking through the store. You were so, saying that. Go into yeah, that. Yeah, it's three. I've never had to deal with that. We walk into a store. I would say, I, I was talking about Walmart, Hobby Lobby, and Ross. Immediately when you walk in, they get on their little phones or intercoms and tell, hey, you know, you know, backpack, hat, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like you're instantly like pointed out out of everybody that's in that store to watch for stealing or watch for some kind of, for something. And immediately I'm just like, fuck this store, I'm out, you know? Yeah. And I'm on, to, you know, on to do my next things or whatever I'm, you know, but, and it's funny, it's like, I have money, you know, I have something in my pocket just because I may not have the nicest clothes or, you know, look the best, smell the best, doesn't mean I'm going to steal your shit, you know? But I'll tell you, you know, right now, it makes me want to go and steal their shit now. Fucking right. Just because of that situation, Fucking right. you know? Fucking right, dude. You know, fuck that, man. It's like, they make you, they, you just feel lower than low, even though you're already in a fucked up time and place in your life. You know, when you see shit like that, it like makes you just feel like, you know, fuck you, you know? Okay, and now I'm going to rebel. I agree. You know, so. I've yeah, been there man. too, brother. It's, I've it's been there too. shit, man. It's been some shit, man. It's I get different, that. It's a whole different world, man. Being in the in the in the streets, you know. It's a lot of people don't understand that. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't understand that. They don't know both sides of the fence, you know. A lot of people, dude. Like it would be to the point, like, uh, like if we had motherfuckers out in Capitol Hill, motherfuckers out in Bellevue, mm -hmm. if they got put in any type of situation that a lot of our people are out in this type of situation, they die. They it's fucking die. They fucking die instantly, bro. Mm -hmm. They 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 don't have their space heaters. They don't have their fucking. They don't have the shit that they normally have every single fucking day. Nope. They'd fucking die. Yeah. So the fact that people can survive out on the streets and the fact that people can survive out in tents on the side of five twelve and and everything that they fucking do is a, it's a commendable fact and it's something that a lot of people I think pretty soon are gonna have to learn how to do. It is, but, you know, it's, I'm hearing, you know, right now, it's like, uh, the city of Puyallup is trying to make, it has made camping illegal, mm -hmm. you know, in the city limits, and now they're trying to make being homeless illegal, basically, yes. and it's like, that's, some, that's bullshit, and they're trying to funnel everybody to Tacoma, Tacoma doesn't have the resources to, to be able to handle as many people as they're, as they're trying to push there. The police cannot it, fucking it's, handle. It's going to turn into mayhem. It will. You know, straight mayhem. It's going to turn into anarchy, bro. When they yeah, get it's... Which is why no one's getting the police 
It's gonna turn into anarchy, bro. It's gonna it's gonna turn into something that I truly don't want to be anywhere near. You know, I'd rather be out in the woods doing something like this, chilling, fucking with good people that are actually everyone in here is good people. Right. You know, they're not. And that's what motherfuckers don't realize. No, they don't. That's what motherfuckers they don't, don't realize. They really don't. And that's what fucking pisses me off. Yeah. And that's my whole fucking point in doing this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I got so many fucking friends, bro. I was just at the Fife Encampments, bro. On, on my way to the gas station where I met you. Right. I was coming from the Fife Encampments, done already interviewing people. You know what I'm saying? Talking to people, talking to my fucking friends. I mean, see, there's, there's more, there's more homeless than you know. There, there's more homeless than anybody knows. You walk in the stores, three quarters of the stores homeless. It's fucking, it's insane. Thank you. It's fucking insane, dude. But um, what uh, if if you're if you're comfortable with talking yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah, man. Uh, Talk to what what like why what what happened and why are you where you're at now? So. Um, basically, man, I, from the, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, 2018, I was, uh, I was given, uh, basically issued, I got in trouble. I, I received a, a domestic violence, um, with an assault too. Um, I went to court and I got sentenced. Uh, basically, when I, two days before I'm about to go to court, uh, my mother, uh, who was gonna help me with my, my rent and stuff, uh, said no, she's not gonna help me anymore. Um, and it basically caused me to fall into eviction. And I, instead of going into eviction, I chose to try to get help with that instead of go to, to jail. And so I went out on the run, got picked up in November. Um, and I ended up winning my eviction, but I ended up catching another four months on top of my, what I was already supposed to do. Yeah. So it basically counteracted my fucking, my eviction. Because when I, basically I lost my home and I, and I came out to only having a car. Yeah. Eventually my car broke down and I was now on foot. And so I had a friend that let me stay in the garage for a while. Um, but then eventually he kicked me out, you know? So now I'm here. I'm here living on the streets and I'll tell you right now, I'm 37 years old. I've never been homeless my entire life. This is an eye opener and it is, it's harder than hard to live like this every day. You know, it's stressful, it, it's, it takes a toll. Um, but you do meet amazing people. You do meet some people that really do are genuinely become good friends and they become good people, you know, that are willing to look out for you and help you through times that are are, are tough, you know? There's a sense of camaraderie, uh, camaraderie mm -hmm. uh, when uh, in, in the campments and, and like with the people that you meet. I've experienced that too. Like some of the best people that I've ever met in my entire life, I've met during my active addiction, mm -hmm. during the time that I was on the streets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Some of the most realest people, some of the most best conversations that I've ever had with anybody, it was all during that time. And like, while I look back at that time as like it was a bad time in my life, I always look, I also look back at that time as it was like a learning experience where now from the, from the people that I've met, from the things that I've done, you know, from the situations that I've been in, <clears throat> I just learned how to be a better man from that now, you yeah. know? Yeah, I've, I've, I can tell you one thing, I've grown from it. Yeah. I've already, you know, I've grown on a lot mentally and emotionally. You know, physically, I'm, you know, 
You walk a lot. Yeah, that's you know, true. Especially that's when right. you got a car, you walk. Shoelace Express, brother. Man, Lamborghinis. Oh, bro. Those are floppies. That's the one thing I must say. If you are homeless, make sure you take care of your feet. That's right. That is the one thing you must take care of your feet. Because you don't take care of your feet, you're fucked. You're straight fucked. <laughs> it ain't no joke, man. No, I, I remember. I remember, dog. I had abscesses on my foot and shit, and I was wrapping my shit in fucking lidocaine patches, and then wrapping it in a plastic bag, and then putting a sack over it, and then I was walking around when yeah. I was like 16, 17 years yeah, old man. and shit. Hey, man, thank you so much for talking to me, bro. No problem, thank boss. You so man. much, homie. Yeah, no problem. Man. All right, thank you so much. Let's see. Hi, my name's Bo. I'm Jessica. Nice to meet you, Jessica. Nice to meet you. Um. Okay, so as I was just stating earlier, I'm sure you heard everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is my podcast episode. Uh, my epi my podcast is called Anti-Slave Question Everything. But this episode segment is called The Face of Homelessness. Okay. And um, basically, I'm just here trying to talk to people that are experiencing, uh, you know, the downtrodden type shit of society. Um, I would I would love to hear anything that you're willing to tell me. Okay. I'm going to uh, put in book. Okay, uh, can uh, so what uh, what uh, in your life, right? Mm -hmm. How did you get to where you are now? Um, I was in a relationship for ten years with my kid's dad, and that was domestic violence. Uh -huh. And I got out of it, lived with my sister for um, a year, and got on my feet. And I got with another guy, and for three years that was a good relationship. And then he started beating me. I ended up getting beat with a bat for ten hours, held hostage by him. Sorry. Yep. And uh, I stayed with them, and we were homeless at that point. Uh, and then he left me, and I'm still here. Yeah. Um. Are like, are there many resources available to you guys? Like, when you're. Um. Not really. There's a shelter, like he was talking about, and then they used to do freezing nights, but they stopped doing that. Um. Salvation Army, you can go have lunch every day, Monday through Friday, and then you can get a box of food once a week. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty, I mean, the Salvation, I never heard about that. Really? Like, when I was on the streets and shit, no, I never, I was never, no. Is that like a semi, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I was, I was, it was a while ago, like I said, when I was, it's been about they two years now. actually just started doing it, like, a year ago. Okay, so that, that's yeah, probably, so that, yeah, that's probably why I haven't ever fucking heard of it. But that's tight. I'm yeah. glad that the Salvation Army is doing that. That's fucking yeah, tight. There's a more that's fucking tight. Too. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of, uh, so yeah. another guy that I was interviewing, Lunchbox, is actually in the motel. Oh, program. yeah, I know Lunchbox. Do you know Lunchbox? I know Lunchbox. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? I know Lunchbox? Yeah. That's my boy. Yeah. That's my boy, Lunchbox. <laughs> He's on this podcast, too. Yeah. What the fuck? Okay. Lunchbox, yeah. the wheelchair lunchbox? Yep. Yes! Yep, That's know. my fucking boy! Yeah. That is so funny. Small fucking world, right? Holy I shit. I just met him um, a few months ago. My dog, Journey, was stolen from me. Because uh, I said I needed a vibrator and um, a dog. <laughs> Women's best friend. The two things right there. A vibrator and a dog. They'll leave you for that. That's why I never got my girlfriend one. A dog? No, a vibrator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, my vibrator got stolen from me, and then um, a good friend of mine for two years, uh, out of nowhere, never did me dirty or wrong, stole my dog. So fucking a, dude. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. That yeah. that's shitty. That's shitty. Um, for I personally, me myself, I had my dog named Nyla, who was my baby, right? Yeah. All throughout the times that I was on the streets, and yeah. uh, uh, she did. I would lay in her lap, or like I don't know, she'd lay yeah. in my lap. Like, she was a big dog, you know. Yeah. She was a 
border collie german shepherd mix so she was a big girl and like throughout the time that i was and i was staying in my truck and shit like i didn't have to fucking throw the heat on because i just throw that blanket on me and i'd lay on my dog yep. and she'd snuggle up but after the time i had my daughter my dog was so overprotective of me that my daughter would come crawling up and shit and she'd bare teeth. I had to get rid of her. And that was the worst thing. That I, like, honestly, that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. So I feel for you there when you lose your dog. It's sad. It's like, very sad. Heart. I yeah. was uh, really suicidal. I'd go into camps and I'd start off stupid blonde and then I worked my way right up to insane. And my goal was for someone to kill me, but I learned two things. If your crazy is bigger than somebody else's crazy, no matter how big they are, they will back down. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you gotta bear those yeah. teeth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but my dog's name was Journey, not because of the band, because I was going through a journey through life with him. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, that got cut short. I'm sorry. But he was a pit bull, uh, small husky. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. He was an awesome dog. Fuck yeah, dude. I got him when he was five and a half weeks old, and he was seven months when he stormed me. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So basically, basically, you had to go through a lot of bullshit. You had to go through a lot of abuse. Yeah. You had to go. You, had, you went through a lot of shit when when. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but like, I think men need to take care of women. Absolutely. Like that's just my opinion. I think that as a man, you need to take care of your woman. You know what I'm saying? So if a man. Uh, decided that they were gonna uh, beat you then i'm sorry you know what i'm saying like i don't i mean i don't oh, it's just my personal opinion i think that men are supposed to be protectors and that's not saying that we're not equal because we all bleed red you know what i'm saying we all bleed wet red like we're all equal we all bleed red but <clears throat> there's still roles that need to be played and you know and a man should protect his woman no matter what they shouldn't uh beat them up they should definitely not do anything with the fucking bat for, you know you know what i'm saying like i'm so sorry that's fucked up um not like honestly uh, that's that's crazy abuse i've never experienced that type of shit like i don't yeah traumatizing and it's confusing because you don't understand why somebody would do that to you i was a loyal person to my my man um treated them well and i was a partner you know with them and um i don't know why he did that to this day he can't tell me why he did that well, honestly, you're probably better off away from him. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Even if where you are at is right now, here, you're not getting your ass beat with a bat. You know what I'm saying? And anybody has the ability to get better. Yeah. Get clean, get anything. Absolutely. You could, you could, anybody in this place could. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? God is on our side. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you the way he loves me. God loves everybody in this tent. Absolutely. God loves all of us. You know what I'm saying? And I love you. I, I'm, I'm just, I just met you, but I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Bro that I've never met before or even talked to. And I love those two. I love all of you guys. You know what I'm saying? Because we're all God's children. And we're all here for a fucking reason. Right? And it doesn't matter if we're the downtrons of society. If we're doing this, 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 or this. And these motherfuckers want to look down on us. We are all God's children. You're, you're God's child. You're God's child. We're all God's children. Right? honestly dude addicts addicts have beautiful minds and the reason why addicts are addicts is because we think too much we think way too much okay we can't sit there and fucking go on with what the normies go on with because we think way too much and we're beautiful people every single fucking one of us every single one of you guys in this tent is a beautiful person right and i'd lay my life down on the line for every single one of you guys even though i don't know you i don't give a fuck you know what i'm saying I would do. Yeah.
Like you guys are all beautiful people, man. We're all worth it. <clears throat> We're all worth it. Yeah. And ain't no, ain't no, ain't. There's nothing they can tell me otherwise. Like I've lived the shit on the streets. I, I, I'm not, I'm not scared to go into a fucking into a tent with people that I don't yeah. know because exactly. You know what I'm saying? Because I know people. Yeah. I know motherfuckers. I mean, I don't. You get in the corner, you might be scared. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. No, I don't know. Anywho, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much. I gotta go home and I need to go to sleep. Alright. Because I have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> okay. But thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank, thank you, you so much, homie. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate awesome. What's up? What's up with you, buddy? Oh, nothing, buddy. I'm doing it all good. Doing it all good, are you? Doing it good, yes. Fucking A. Okay, so this is the uh, third time that we're talking with Lunchbox. <clears throat> it's pretty hard to get people to talk down here. They spend a lot of time ducking and dodging authority cameras. You know, photographs. That's why your first time you came down here, I had to let everybody know. Right. In the different camps, that there was going to be somebody down here filming so that they could be gone if they wanted or, or ducked down or, you know, just a lot of people don't want their faces on, on camera or, or anything like that. I, comple I completely understand that. Right. I completely understand that. Yep. Over here. Sorry, I saw some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a fucking, I get distracted. So shiny. Lunchbox. Yes, sir. I love you, man. I love you too. You're a good friend of mine. I consider you a close friend as well. So, I want to talk to you about your story, about your life. Mm. If that's okay. okay with you. That's fine. Yeah? Yeah. I don't oh. mind. I want to put a face, like, because everybody that is where they are now <laughs> starts from somewhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I myself, personally, uh, if I could just give a very light rundown of what I did to, to, like what what my story is is like <clears throat> just because I asked you to tell your story, not trying to steal the spotlight, but just oh, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Let's come on now, baby. There's no one story any better or worse than the other. That's just right. How we live our lives. I mean, the listeners know. Um, they've heard from me before, but just 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 because I asked you, I'm gonna also say. I for me personally, like I was uh, I was like 16 years old when I started using meth. And before that, I, I was using uh, amphetamine pills, mm -hmm. Adderall, Vyvanse. Uh, mm -hmm. I got admitted into rehab at the age of 16. Mm -hmm. And when I was in rehab, they basically told me, hey, man, if you like this shit, you got to go try crystal. <laughs> and then I left rehab, and that's exactly what I did. And then my life kind of went downhill from there. Uh, I got yeah. sick. I'm fine now. Right. But um, that's the basic rundown for me. Um, I have a question for you, too. What's that, buddy? So You're clean and sober now. Yes. How has it been for you through all of these interviews and your time spent down here at the camps with your addictions? Hard. Has, has it been a struggle? It's been hard. I've tried to keep it away as best as possible from you when people ask, when you ask if you're coming down. Yeah. Uh, just because, you know, I care about you. You're a friend. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't always happen that way because not everybody gets the word, but I can imagine it's been hard for you. It has been. I'm really proud of you for not. I wish there was somewhere else we could do the interviews that would have as much impact, I think, as being at a camp. Right. But well, I don't think it would have the impact. It yeah, I don't think to. it would have the impact either, you know? Okay. And and that's the very, very important part about going down to camp and um, being around that. And the, and, the, and that's the thing about, like, for me, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, a, I'm strong, okay? Yeah, but you know? they're strong, and then there's just putting yourself up and setting yourself up to failure. Right, but I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to fail. I, I've... I, the whole shit that happened with me going to the hospital. I woke up. I didn't recognize who my daughter was, bro. That was right. my, that was my breaking waking point. Moment, yeah. That was my breaking point, sure. my waking moment, where I was like, "This isn't gonna happen anymore." You know what I'm saying? Right. 
So now when I go down in places and I see people that are using my DOC, mm -hmm. I doesn't it doesn't make me think I want to get high. Honestly, okay. it okay. makes me think I want to help these people not get high. Well, yeah, that, I, and that's commendable. It's just they have to want the help. Right, I mean, and it, it's it, an uphill it, battle that you can't win. Oh, it can be one. It just they, people have the person separate. Each each person, each individual has to realize when it's their time. That's or, what I'm or, saying. Or specifically for me, specifically right. for me, I cannot go out and expect that what I'm going to say to anybody is going to change their mind. Right. That's right. why I'm saying it's an uphill battle. Right. Not saying that it's an uphill battle that can't be won for the single person that is going through it. Right. But because for me personally, I can't take that onto myself. Like I have to take on other people's sobriety because that's not anything that I could ever do. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's yeah. I do. That's not. You can't be done. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. So, your life story, real quick. What you wanted to do? I already did it. Oh, oh, that was quick. I already did it. It was a quick one. Nice. I just said, you know, I started, I started doing dope story when I was 16. I, I, I stopped <laughs> doing it after I, I went to the hospital. I mean, I was doing my shit for the time that I was doing my shit. And then, <clears throat> you know, I fucking, I just kind of, I mean, I had a, I had a near-death experience. Like I literally had a near-death experience. I was hospitalized. I was on a ventilator for a week. Um, That'll do it you know, for most people. Yeah. So for me now, it's like, I don't, I don't look at like, I don't want to, like, I want to get high. Trust me. Like, well, I want to get high. It's, that's always going to be there. Once you're, once you're an addict in recovery, that, that, that pull, that draw is always going to be there. It's just, it'll, it'll fade in time. I think it'll still be there, but it'll fade. And I think it's how you deal with it at right. the time, you know, it just depends on what the situation is. I try to do service oh. work as much as I can. I gotta hit that shit right. Okay. So what do you need? I don't know. Your life story, buddy. My life story. Uh, born November 12th, 1975. Uh, my real father passed away when I was two of a heart attack. Um, he owned a radio station in downtown Puyallup uh, up until 1978 when he passed away. It was KUPY Puyallup. He was a sports broadcaster. Okay. Um, this will all tie in at the end. My grandfather was Commissioner for Tacoma. Archie Blair. Blair Waterway was named after him. Um, Heard of Archie Blair. That's my grandfather. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, when my father passed away, my mom remarried her high school sweetheart um, <clears throat> two and a half years later, and I took his last name. They adopted me out at three and a half. Yeah, three and a half or four. Um, my dad died. Uh, he, uh, uh, the tr trust fund was, was started between my grandfather <laughs> and my father, and uh, it started growing from the time I was two till I was 21. Uh, growing up was normal. Uh, my stepdad, uh, or my dad, my adopted dad, my dad. Yeah. He raised me, his dad. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he was a state trooper. He retired from the state patrol after 35 and a half years, 35 years or so as detective. Um, he was a good man. Uh, we had a lot of troubles, uh, caused by me. Um, <clears throat> everything was good growing up. At the age of eight, I was molested by my neighbor. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it takes a lot to be able to admit that, but I'm okay because it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault, you know. I thought that, uh, I thought for a long time it was my fault. But it he, never is. He, he, yeah. uh, he died a painful cancer death. Damn. Good. Oh, darn. Anyway, um, that took a lot. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> that. Uh, but I love you, Lunchy. Um, I, I was, love you, Lunchy. I was destined to be an addict from birth. 
my real father was an alcoholic, uh, <clears throat> heavy, you know, obese, and didn't take care of himself, and he had a heart attack. That's how he passed away. Um, at 21, I, well, at like 16, 15 and a half, my best friend and his brother were killed by a car. I got hit by a car, passing a bus in a school zone. Um, I never dealt with any of these things, these, any of them. Um, at about 17, 16 or 17, uh, my parents told me I was getting inheritance when I turned 21. And at 18, at 18 years old, I got $250,000. And at 21, I was to get two and a half million. Uh, they, told me, they told me when I was 16. So, it all went downhill from there. <clears throat> I'm figuring I'm getting this money, I don't need school. How would I do that, you know? So I partied and buried all my pain with alcohol and drugs. I started doing methamphetamines at 17, 16 and a half, 17. So I started selling drugs. Um, brought to me by another family member who was a member of a motorcycle club. We won't get into all that. <clears throat> but he taught me everything I knew. Yeah. Uh, it was easy for me because I have a gift to gab. I'm good to talk to people. I don't, uh, I don't steal from places. I don't, you know, but it doesn't, you know, it's a shitty situation. I dropped out of high school. Um, actually got expelled from high school with a 3.7 GPA. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Yeah, dead serious. Jesus Christ, Lungy. Well, for script, yeah, for script, skipping school, truancies. Um, I figured out there was a, a, a there was a senior that worked in the attendance office that was a little bit slow. Um, nice guy, but I figured I realized if I brought him a soda pop and a Snickers in the morning, he would write me out of my third period class for uh, for dental. <laughs> so they called me down to the to the um, administrator's office. And the lady there, her husband actually worked with my dad on the police force. Yeah. She says, Mr. Messing, smile for me. And I smile. And she goes, your teeth are horrible. I'm like, thanks. What? What? She says, you've had 47 dental appointments this quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and your teeth are fucked up. <laughs> right? I was like, yeah. I was like, there was a bad dentist. I said, no, I have not. And she's like, go see the principal. Well, I went and saw the vice principal and... Like I said, I had you know, a little bit of trouble growing up dealing with stuff you know my parents didn't know about, and I never told them until later. Um, and I, you know, I was a little rebellious kid, you know, a cop's son or a preacher's daughter. We're all uh, we're all a little rebellious, but I went over the top with it. Right. Um, Mr. Patterson was his name, my my high school uh, uh, vice principal, and he said, "Mr. Messing, um, we're going to give you a month of Saturday schools for this." And I started laughing. It was just <laughs> it's fucked up but I, I laughed and I was legitimately laughing he says why are you laughing I said because if I'm not going to school here at my normal school during the week what makes you think I'm going to get up on a Saturday and go to school at a different school <laughs> that's ridiculous and that was funny to me um they got me looking back up. on it now it was pretty stupid but it was funny at that time it's like if I'm not going to school during the week why the hell am I going to go to a different school on Saturday and no that's that's not going to happen so after all my troubles, you know, that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, I don't think he cared for me laughing at him so bad. Yeah. But it was funny to me. I mean, as a you know, young little punk kid, basically. I get um, it. So they expelled me. And uh, I turned 18 that November, November of 93. Um, and I got a car, <clears throat> got myself an apartment. And I was working odd jobs here and there, still selling drugs. And then um, three years goes by. I got my my inheritance. Now, my family and I was really, we were really strained at that time. 
Um, I entered into a business deal with my parents where they took money out of my, my, my account, my trust fund to, they were able to do that once a year to better me. If it was long as like for school or, or things of that sort. Um, I found out throughout the years that the timeshare in Hawaii that we had when I was growing up was funded by me. Um, and several other things, you know, they were, they were kind of milking it and, and taken from me um, under the guise of school and educational purposes, which is wrong. Um, I entered into an agreement with them. We built a new house. It was ended up being 4,800 square feet, two two-car garages. It was huge. Um, they were supposed to pay me. I owned 35% of it. And they talked to me. Some stuff went wrong with the house, and they had to pay all the subcontractors out of their own pocket. They were going to go bankrupt. They would have had to file bankruptcy because I was on the deed. Supposedly, I had to file bankruptcy. Yeah. This is what they told me. I was 18, I, you know, I was like, I, I, oh, I don't want a bankruptcy on my record. My mom says, don't worry about it. We'll take your name off the deed. And, you know, when we sell the house, we'll give you your 35%. Okay, cool. That's my family. They're not going to, all right, we'll do that then. Yeah. So in 93, they built it for, I think it was just under 300,000. They sold it in 2008 to a 24 year old longshoreman for 1.7 million cash. Nice. I saw none of it. Oh shit! Not a dime. <laughs> That's a pretty big markup. Not a dime. Three hundred seven. What did you say? Three hundred thousand. Three hundred thirty thousand. For one point seven million. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty big markup. With a thirty-five percent interest in the house. Yeah, it's a pretty big markup right there, buddy. Yeah, they got me for six figures. Yeah. And nothing, because I was a drug addict. So I was selling drugs throughout the whole time. Um, my dad and I had a strained relationship after all that. <clears throat> well, before that, I was just. I was just doing everything I could to spite him. Um, There's a lot of stuff that went with it. Um, so, 21, two and a half million dollars. I traveled all over the world. Um, I got married. I had a house. I had a, a house in Hawaii, a cabin in Florida. I drove a BMW 325iS. Had a crotch rocket in a in a in a Humvee. But I worked um, throughout most of my inheritance. When I first got it, I was a busser at Black Angus on South Hill and Pell. Yeah. I bust. <clears throat> um, I saved all my bus money, all my tip money through throughout the year. And then on every Christmas Eve, I take all of my my, my tip money and put it into a, a, a you know, a, a cashier's check and donate it to the St. Jude's Children's Hospital every year. Every year. You know, just because I felt I wanted to give back. Commendable. It's commendable. Somehow. Um, I think it made me feel a little bit better because I was, you know, selling drugs to people and I didn't, it didn't make me feel good. But yeah. It was what I was good at and I couldn't really keep a normal job because I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And yeah. An so, alcoholic? Really, Lungy? Oh, yeah. I drank, Damn, I can't even fucking see that. I used to drink a half gallon of vodka 105 a day. Man. I would go to the bar and I would order double 151 Coke Talls with uh, Patron Silver back. <laughs> Jesus, Murphy. Drink a lot. I, I've done a lot in my life. I've seen a lot and I've lived the rich life. And then I got married and my ex-wife cheated on me with my best friend. And the only way I found out was because she had gotten pregnant. We were both doing drugs at the time. It wasn't pretty. It was a nasty divorce. Right. Like I just finally signed divorce paperwork like a year and a half ago. I filed for legal separation April 14th, 2007. It was separated you know, in my eyes for that whole time. I lost my house. I got addicted to coke. You know, so I lost my house. I lost my vehicles. I lost just about everything. Went to treatment um, a couple of times. 
Owala in 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 Owala, Washington. Great place. I love that place. I've heard of it. It's it's a great place to go. Yeah. I highly recommend it. They do smudging and and all that, and it's it's just. It's an outdoor setting, you know, it's out in the peninsula. It's really nice. Yeah, I've heard about Alala. I've heard a lot about Alala. Last time I went to treatment was two years ago. I went to uh, PCN North up in um, Cedar Wood. That place is awesome. Cool. That's where I was finally able to release, you know, and be able to talk about being molested as a child. You can't really get out of being an addict. You don't, you don't ever really get out of it. But you can't really move forward until you, all your demons in your closet are gone. Right. And, you've, and you're dealing with them or have dealt with them. That was my big hang-up. That's a one. That's a that's a fucking heavy hangup, bro. And that's a heavy hangup for a lot of people. I told my parents about it. And they just kind of shrugged it off. Okay, well, I'll just do more drugs. Well, you know, just because of their reaction so, to that doesn't mean you have to just I resort know. to doing more drugs. I know. Sometimes parents don't have the right reaction well, to things. You know the addict mind. I do. And I do. The addict mind is going to go straight to what makes us hide and and drown our 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 demons. So, Every addict has a demon in their closet that you know, causing them to be an addict or have an addiction. Yes. You know, I've heard, I, my opinion is if you don't deal with those, you'll still, even if you go to treatment and you come out of treatment and you haven't dealt with it, it'll still come back up. You know, you got to deal with everything. And That's be right. real with yourself. Yeah. That's how it worked for me. Um, well, to a point. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so much. I'm just kind of trying to give a, a, I'm broke now. <laughs> I lost everything. Um, I've been homeless for 10 years, going on 10 years now. Um, you know, some of the most real people I've ever met in my entire life are out here on these streets. And <clears throat> I call my friends my family, and I don't take that lightly. I don't, my family moved away. My mom and dad and I are on way better terms than we were before. That's good. Um, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> the last One of the last times I talked to my dad when we were still fighting, uh, he was undercover narcotics detective. I said, "Hey, what, what, what's up with you, Dad? You, you, you pissed off at me all the time because you, you realize I'm finally selling. You finally realized I was selling drugs, or I'm selling drugs at your house, and you can't catch me, just like a little punk." And he looks at me and goes, "Maybe I turn my cheek because I love you." Heavy. Ouch. Yeah. It made me feel like the biggest piece of shit, even for saying it. I just, I just felt like a piece of shit. And then they moved away to to uh, Montana or to Idaho. My little brother lives in Houston, Texas. Yeah. So it's 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 really strained. It was really strained for a long time. Um, but I still talk to my parents every week. Um, things are getting better. Good. Um, they help out when they can. When they know it's not going to go to drugs or, or whatnot, you know. So I don't give them the opportunity to think that. If I my mom helped me a couple times in my vehicle, and call her up and say, "Hey, mom, I need a part, but I don't have any cash, and I need to get this thing running." You know. Could, could I show you what part it is online? Maybe you could purchase it and I go down and pick it up. And I quit asking my parents for money a long time ago. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so, where are we at? Well, I've got uh, two daughters and two sons. Um, that was a strained relationship, but it's getting better. Um, still selling drugs. But Allegedly. <laughs> still selling drugs. Um... I'm about to have a dual hip replacement in a wheelchair full time until I can get my, my hips done. I have to have a dual hip replacement because I got hit by a car years ago <clears throat> and it just finally degenerated to the point where I have no cartilage in either hip. So now for the last three years, I've been out here doing this and thanks to COVID, um, I was supposed to have this done two and a half years ago, but they stopped all non-life essential uh, operations or surgeries, which included my hips. 
Wow. So I've been out in a wheelchair in the woods, uh, wheeling around for two years now. Um, I'm one appointment away from getting my surgery. But in order to have my surgery, I can't have any nicotine, uh, methamphetamines, alcohol, no foreign substances in my body. Right. Uh, Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving, they put me into a uh, hotel program where I can recover there. Yeah. Instead of having to go to a funeral, or a funeral home. Wow. <laughs> instead of Fuck! Go, <laughs> instead of having to go to a, an old folks home. <laughs> Fuck! Homeless, um, Could be a funeral home. I don't like those kind of things because they watch their rules. I've been homeless for 10 years. Rules were different. Hard. Even, even it's little hard, dude. Even little things. Like, there's three main rules in this place that everybody everybody that's been through it that I've talked to that got kicked out got kicked out for either breaking one of these three rules. You can't cover your smoke detector. Okay, duh. You can't have company and be in by 10. That's the three rules. Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple. Until you get somebody that doesn't have to live by rules for... 10, 15, 20 years, and you it's get hard. institutionalized. To Everybody me. that got kicked out broke one of those three rules. Um, heck, I've broken them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Since, since I've been there. Um, yeah. Dude, the hotel program that you're at right now, like, I, I met one of the homies that I used to fucking mm -hmm. uh, do things with, you know? And fucking straight up, we were in his fucking hotel smoking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he had his shit covered up, but some shit got through to it and it started going off. Right, and the whole building goes off. And then it fucking somebody, just the same place you're staying at. And then mm -hmm. and then the person that was like the officer for that shit came and knocked on the door. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, we were making bacon. No, we were making bacon. And I had to leave with the quickness, dude, because I had to pack in my backpack and everything. Yep, yep. so I'm in there now. I'm, I've, got a, I've got a new girlfriend now, uh, Tiffany. We've been together for four and a half, five years. Um, she's great. She really helps out a lot. Mm -hmm. I really, I really love her a lot. Um, she's been there for me. Good. Um, finally got off DOC this year, last year. That's good. Um, yeah. Took me five years to complete one. Well, that's, I mean, you completed it. <laughs> yeah, only. That's what counts, only, brother. Only because of the Blake decision, thank God. Well, Blake decisions sometimes save us, right? Yeah, yeah, it did, it really did. Um, it dropped two drug charges off my record and two felonies. There you go. I made it easier to get funding. I enrolled in school, so I go to school while I'm recovering for my hips. Um, things are looking yeah, up. Yeah, and you should do that, Lunchbox. You should do all of that. I'm going to become a paralegal so that I can come back out here and help these guys. Cause you should. Because fucking Lunchbox. cops roll all over these people. I mean, they're supposed to be public servants, but they're not. They're not. They're just, they treat people like shit. Yes, they do. And they think they can get away with it because nobody voices an opinion or anything. You can't just walk in, I don't care where you're at, and open a door or lift up a tarp or look through a window and go in through a window. We have rights, as you know, human rights. You know, for, for a cop to do that, open the door without a, a warrant and no probable cause, is a Fourth, you know, fourth Amendment's rights violation. You can't do that. Will you pause it and then start it again? Alright, continue. <coughs> so, <coughs> where was I? <laughs> Uh, you're oh, talking about the cops right yeah. yeah. I want to come back out here and help these guys um, with legal advice or, or whatnot or whatever I can do um, to, to, to help them. Um, I wanted to do it right away, but a friend of mine who works for the homeless, it makes sense. He says, you got to get both feet out of the trenches and not be looking back to help them. You have to be square in your life to be able to help them. Yeah, that makes sense. And it makes sense. I, I didn't think of it like that. Um, these people are my friends and my family, and I feel bad. I'm in a hotel at night. I'm down here every day because my stuff is still down here, and I still, you know, these guys are my family, 10 years of my life. Right. You know, you grow bonds with these people, and, and 
it's a good group of people down here. They're not all, you know, they go out and they do what they have to do to live and survive. They're not stealing from people. I can't say they're not stealing from companies. Right. Uh, I mean, fuck companies. A lot of people down here do pallets. You know, they, they get pallets tonight and they sell them to make a living. And, and I used to do. That. I used to do know, cardboard. That was my right? thing. I used to work, that, I used I used to work at that place at Sunoco. Sunoco? No used, shit. You worked there? Yeah. Fuck, dude. That was yeah. my spot, dude. They I, knew me. Everybody knew yeah. me there. They're like, hey, he's coming in with his cardboard. And I'd be coming in with I used the pallets. To run, used to, I was a floor worker there for years until I got fired because of cocaine. That was a great job. I lost that because of drugs. Um, we lose a lot of things because of drugs, but we lose everything for drugs. Yeah. I tell people that all the time. They just don't want to hear it from from me. It's like, man, there was this one guy. He was coming in. and He said, "I'm just a weekend warrior." He was in the military. He was successful. He had a nice avalanche truck. And, and I looked right at him. I said, "I was shaking my head." He says, "What do you shake your head for?" Like I was trying to clown him. I said, "You don't want my opinion." He said, "No, dog." We, we get all hyphy about it. And I said, "Look, check it out, man." I'm half your age, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Within six months, this shit's going to ruin your life. You're going to lose absolutely everything you have if you don't watch yes. it. We can warrior my ass. Yep. You're going to lose everything. Personally, as somebody eight months, that I've, eight I've months, seen it too, dude. Eight months later, they found him. The military was looking for him because he went AWOL. So he went AWOL. He was high-centered on I-5 right in front of the Tacoma Mall in his avalanche on the median wearing a pair of Daisy Dukes and no shirt with a bunch of scrap all over the road. And, Smoked. And that's, that's when they picked him up. Smoked. The, the military. But... He was able to come back out of it Good. and get back into his military career. I, he had to jump through a bunch of shit, but he found me. Uh, I ran into him at a Walmart, and he looked at me. He goes, I wish, I really wished I would have listened, but you were half my age. You, you were younger, and, and you looked like a punk, and, you know, it's whatever. Um, I said, man, I'm, I've, I've seen it. I'm doing this shit. I've seen it, too. 30 years now. And, and then, hey, listeners, this is coming from somebody <laughs> who's 26 years old. It doesn't matter who, what the fuck your age is. You know what I'm saying? Your shit can get fucked. It will take everything. It, it will take does. everything. And, and, and people have their arguments as to, well, I've done drugs for this long, and I hold a job, and I do this, and I do that. I'm like, oh, good for you. I'm, I'm happy you can do that. That's great. Until you in get drug very, tested. In, in the end, it will take everything. It will take fucking it, everything. It may take you For some, it takes years. For some, it doesn't take that long at all. Um, You know, the people just... Some people have a certain amount of resistance to it, but that resistance never holds. There's, this shit is, is designed. When they first made methamphetamine, they said they wanted to make a drug that could sell itself. And that was just methamphetamine. Until they came up with those blues. Yeah, exactly. That was just methamphetamine. Yeah. That's um, not even the tip of the fucking iceberg now. So I've been to treatment four times now. Um, obviously, they didn't work. The last one was the, the best one. I, I stayed clean the longest. I don't count my inpatient time as clean time. Right. Uh, I'm not out on the It's like telling somebody you're going to stay clean when you go to jail. I'm going to get out and I'm going to be clean. I'm not touching drugs again. Well, it's easy to say when you're locked up and it's harder to get. And I'm not going to say it's impossible to get because it is in jail. Yeah, um, I mean, you can still get high in jail. Right. Who sure. wants to? Oh, my God, I did that once. One time I got high in jail. It was the worst time ever. Two guys tried to escape from Pierce County Jail and they locked us down for like 38 hours. Right as I did big line of meth. <laughs> no. Yeah, dude. I just sit on my my. Bugging. I was a trustee, and that's when we could have our own shoes at the time. And I was sitting back, and I'm just cleaning with my little toothbrush. I'm just cleaning my shoes. <laughs> this is the worst experience of my life. Dude, sucks so bad. <laughs> it sucks so bad. Um, so I just stopped. I was like, I'm not doing drugs in jail. Yeah, like, yeah. like all that. No, no, fucking, fucking, that sucks. No. Suck. That sucks. Uh, long story short, I. uh I'm about ready to go have this surgery done, and it's 8 to 12, 8 to 16 weeks uh, recovery. I'm done. I'm done with it all. 
need to help these guys out. I mean, you've seen what happened since I left camps. Yes. I never thought that I was someone of that importance or someone that, that you know, called shots or whatever. That's not who I am. That's Anybody with I'm a gift for a gab can. Like you said earlier, you had a gift for a gab, and that makes sense. I just I didn't see it. But you don't have to see it yourself. Other people do, Lunchbox. You're an influential person. The way that you talk. I see it now um, more so since I've left the camps. Because I'll stay here at night. I'm here during the day. I'm still packing up my belongings. Because DOT is going to come through here and shut this whole thing down. Yeah. It, oh, the, yeah. The, the new freeway is coming through here. So it was it was inevitable. But what they've done now since I left. Um, I don't know if you have any shots of the field over here during the day. A little bit. Um, like I had, I had a couple for the opening. but There was a... None of that was. I, I, we kept all the garbage on the backside of, of the natural curve of the of the trees here. Um, no cars were coming in and out. And these guys were coming in all night long. And you got cops in here looking for stolen cars. The three years I was here, not one stolen car got recovered from here because they weren't here. If people came down asking about stolen vehicles, I would give them my number and say, "Hey, if your car shows up here, I'll call you. I won't call the police, but I'll call you or send you a message." And then I'd make them call my phone so they hear it ring, so they know I give them the right number. I mean, that's the best I can do. Um, Commendable. I also was told that I could get in trouble for that. For some reason. I don't know. I, I didn't bother me. I don't care if somebody stole me. I, we didn't, I didn't want the trouble. It's because the yeah. cops want their little fucking cut, bro. That's we all. have to live you around have people. Quota. We have to live and cohabitate with the neighbors around <clears> us. <throat> and I wanted to make as little impact or foot, as small as footprints as I could out here. And over the last three weeks, well, since Thanksgiving, it's now, what, the 2nd of January? third now third yeah. it's 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 horrendous down here i don't even like coming down here anymore i was down here last night at eight o'clock and six police came through looking for a car and they used to come down one or two at a time no guns no anything like that last night they came in swat style with their hands on the shoulders their ar-15s and their guns drawn like it was some bad you know now it's just like wow yeah, up, that's man. how they think of it now yeah i was here two and a half years before anybody even knew we were here I remember. In the last year and a half, it's just gone straight downhill. So, especially since I, you know, we we took off. It's been about a year and a half since I've been frequenting down here, honestly. Yeah, it's you changed know, a lot. I remember how it was back then. Now People don't care. And what these guys don't realize is Fife has instituted a no camping law. Tacoma has a no camping law or an ordinance. Federal Way has no camping ordinance. Sumner doesn't want them there. Puyallup has made it very vocal that if anybody comes in homeless, they'll trespass them everywhere they can until they can't go anywhere in the city anymore. Yeah. Which, off record, is... Mm, they say it off record. You can't do that, but they'll try. They're Puyallup. They're dirty as fuck. Oh, yeah. You know, I know it. I know there's, it. There's, they're just dirty. Yeah. Um, so, that being said, these guys are fucking this place off left and right. It looks like shit. They had one chick started a fire on her on her place and told everybody to fuck off. She didn't care. And with the with the fire department showing up to fix the problem, you know, put it out, they got sideswiped by Nikki Wheeler. Oh Jesus. Um no all shit. that all that caused by one person. That's gonna get her shut down. I tried to tell these guys, you guys, you gotta keep it low key. They're shutting this down. They want every reason to do it now. It's the middle of winter. These guys have nowhere to go. There's no programs open. Yeah. The the shelters beds are all full. There's no programs that are going to allow anybody into it right now. There's a waiting list on on the hotel that I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I'm only in by the grace of God. That you know, the officer. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. 
I'm pretty sure he pulled some strings to get me in there so I get my surgery done. Well, thank um, God for that. Officer Pearson, he's he's great. He's, actually, he's great. I'll say that. I don't care. I don't like cops. But he's great. He's he's fair. Officer McDonald's great. I don't uh, like cops, but he took care of me when I was on the streets. Uh, he did. He, he's uh, uh, Officer Pearson. is uh, And um, Officer, oh my gosh, what's his name? Oh my God. Temple. Officer Temple. He's been arresting me for over 20 years. Temple from fucking Sumner? Puyallup. What's his brother, I think, in Sumner? Oh, Officer yeah, Temple. Yeah, yeah. I know um, Temple in Sumner. Kudos to that man. He's always been fair. And oh, yeah. There's been times where I should have a, well, let's just say he's, I'll just say he's always been a good man, but been fair to me. Right. Does his job when he has to. I mean, I, they should, they, I mean, they should be, um, they should be fucking. There are a few that are good. Yeah, I, I'll I say believe it. it. I there, are, there are a few that are good. He's one of them. I'm anti-cop. Every, uh, my know. listeners know that. And so am I. I am too. Yeah. Even with my dad as a state trooper. But growing up like that, I also learned how, how with him, my dad, there was no gray area. It was, it was cut and dry, black and white, no, no nothing. And, and the interrogations were just like a freaking cop would in a, in a interview room. So I learned all that shit. <laughs> you know, I learned these things. Um, I know what you're doing to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my dad would do the same thing. I got a few questions for you. I'm like, yeah, are you going to, so, you know, you go through the questioning and, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me ask you a few more. I'm like, were you going to ask me in a different way? Sir, am I being detained? Right, right. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, I'm I'm happier homeless than I was with money. And I'm sorry if I'm skipping all over the place. It's no, just, it's fine. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Like I said before, I can breaking free from the system is a beautiful I thing. I can tell because... who my real friends are more so than I could then. Right. Um, homeless people are real. They are. Real fake. <laughs> a lot of them. I mean, you know? it I is mean, what it is. I mean, um, I, I, I would say that I, I would, I would, I fucking, I don't know, honestly, bro, I would say that I've met more fakes in the fucking real world normie community than I would like. It cracks me up. People drive by here and the normies drive by here and shout and this, that, and the other thing. And it's just like, man, one of these days, one of these you fucking, know, if you only fucking know, 90% of these people, the normal people, quote unquote, the normies. Yeah. Are one or two paychecks away from being right where we're at, and so I could I could, you, I like, could guarantee you, any one of these people out here in this camp right here that, that were camped by me or with me around these all of these I've grown up with all these people in this homeless community, we will be the first to hand you a coat if you're cold, tell you where to go to get food or hand you food yes. if you're hungry. Nobody's gonna let anybody. Nobody out here is gonna let anybody go hungry, go cold, or you know we've all been there. We've all been there. I, I remember when I first got homeless, man. It was so much for me to go down to the center in Puyallup. I, I fought it and fought it and fought. I'm not going. I'm not going because if I go in my mind, I'm admitting defeat. Right. You know, oh, the world got me. They kicked my ass. I am now officially homeless. And I got in there and somebody told me to go find River Jim. River Jim. Yeah, you're new. You got to go find River Jim. He'll help you. Um, Jim Cooper. Um, he passed away two years ago. Rest in peace. God, I love that man. That man was a good man. He he would give you the shirt off his back. He was he he got um, uh, <clears throat> the heart condition. Um, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, his legs were swelling up. He couldn't. You know, he was giving. He he loved bikes. He loved bikes. He had so many of them. Legit, but legit. He was giving them away because he couldn't ride anymore. He couldn't walk ten feet. Congestive heart failure is what it was. He couldn't walk 10 feet without catching a breath or whatever. And he was, he went from riding all the time every day to nothing. Yeah. And was giving his bikes to people because he knew he was going to die. I found this out later. He knew he was going to die. 
and they gave him a time and I didn't know that he didn't say anything to me um, I saw that man every day daily um, and when I'd go to jail he would make sure that Tiffany was taking care of I mean she could take care of herself but she could go there and stay in the RV or you know handle business whatever in, in whatever tab she racked up was wiped immediately when I got out you know such food stuff and, and, and things like that it wasn't drugs it wasn't but you know she knew she could do that and he did that for me just because of you know growing up together I and mean, he was older yeah he was a generation above me um you know uh he's gone now one of the best guitarists i've ever met in my life one of the best bass guitarists i've ever met he knew a lot of famous people and he wouldn't go play on stage he could have been not homeless but his girlfriend at the time was crazy i mean like legitimately like bad shit crazy if i could explain some of the shit that i've been through with that lady um he wouldn't go play because she couldn't handle the people or the lifestyle so he remained homeless for her because he loved her he didn't have to live in tents and piss and shit in buckets or on trees or or be dirty or, or do any of this shit he chose to for her yeah that's the kind of people that are out here you've got them on both ends of the spectrum but guys like him great people he was great it's sad to see him go that's yeah i've lost so many friends out here I understand it much. So many friends. There was a time where I lost 37 friends in like 42 months. That's almost a friend a year or a friend a month. It averages out to like a friend a month for three years. Yeah, that's a lot, man. It's, and it's lifestyle choices. I get that. Um, but you get close to these people and you see their pains and you talk with them. And there's... There's times out here where I've, I've, I guarantee you I've had every, each and every one of these people out here have come to me at some point in time and we've had real hard to heart conversations about their lives and, and their problems and their, you know, and they all come to me. Um, and it's sad. It's really sad. You probably, you, then you do good as an outreach worker, man. A lot or, of people. Uh, like as a, yeah. what you were saying earlier. A lot of people hurt. I guess I'm just easy to talk to. Um, a lot of people come to me with problems that they need solved. Um, and that's where I didn't realize that, that in a way, I, I was a leader or, so, or, or somebody that they looked up to. You know, there's a lot of us out here. Right. But now that I've picked up and gone to a inside, it hit me more. <clears throat> it, it hit me quicker. Yeah. I realized it. It was finally like, wow. I guess I was, you know, looked up to. Which makes me feel good too. Well, hold on to that, man. It makes it makes me feel good to know that people trusted my suggestions yeah, or man. wanted my opinions. Or hold on to that, Lunchy. Hey, man. <clears throat> thank you for talking to me again, Lunch. Yeah, man. <laughs> Give me another. I love you, man. I love you too, bro. I love um, you, bro. If you ever want to do any more interviews, man, I'm here. I don't mind. I like talking. Of course, man. It helps me like it helps you. Uh oh. Oh, one last thing. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me or my problems at all. I put myself here. I put the pipe to my mouth. I did drugs. My choices are the ones that put me homeless and did, you know, that mine. Right. So I, I, that's, I wanted to get that out too. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. That's not what this was about. We're not here for pity. We're nope. here for awareness. My choices put me where I'm at. Nobody else's. Likewise. And that's what I wanted to say. Likewise. Love you, Lynch. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> yeah, talking no problem. so much. Thank you. All right, guys. And with the conclusion to that last interview, that right there is the face of homelessness.
that was my attempt to try to personify, give life to, give a voice to the people that don't necessarily feel like they have a voice all the time. I remember when I was on the streets, I didn't feel like I had a voice. It didn't matter. I mean, you would go places and ask for help and they wouldn't be able to give you help. And you'd try to use resources that were said to be available, but they never seemed to actually be available. It's hard when you're homeless. Food banks need mail and an address to give you a decent amount of food. If you don't have an address in any place that mail is shipped to, it's pretty hard as a homeless to get decent amount of food from food banks. I remember them hooking, uh, hooking me up with little things that they called street bags, and it would have like a couple of non-perishable cans of food, you know, maybe some powdered milk, some hygiene products, but it would be about enough to last you for a day or two. And with food banks not being open every single day, and with you not having a car or any type of transportation from point A to point B, it's actually really hard to keep yourself fed, keep yourself clean, and keep yourself okay when, when you're in that position. And that's just my personal experience. That's my personal experience. I remember, you know, being 18 years old, a kid, my baby's mom was pregnant, we were both on the streets. Uh, we didn't have any ability to get in, into any programs. There wasn't hotel programs. There wasn't, you know, shelters that would accept us or take us in. I mean, we reached out to multiple churches trying to get help, but it just wasn't something that was plausible for us. So we never got it. Eventually, out of the goodness of other people's hearts, you know, like my baby's mom got to go back with her grandparents and I was just stuck left on the streets. I didn't have anywhere to go and my addiction was running rampant. My daughter was already born at that point in time um, and I just couldn't, I couldn't get my head out of my ass. I couldn't, but I did eventually, but it took a lot for me to eventually get my head out of my ass. It took a lot. Like I mentioned when talking to Lunchbox, I had to go to the hospital, get intubated, was on a life support ventilator type thing for a week, woke up, didn't recognize who my family was, who my daughter was, I didn't know who I was, I was so doped up off fentanyl and shit that they were pumping inside of me, I probably ruined a good portion of my body for the rest of my life. I mean, if you look at the statistics of people that survive, that have lived on ventilators or been on ventilators, it's not very high. A lot of them die of complications later. Um... So that's scary, but I was given a second chance to do better, so I chose to go ahead and do better instead of taking the alternative route and dying, you know? Like, I got really lucky, guys. I When I got when I applied for the job that I currently work at now, I've been here for working here for two years, more than two years. I've, been, I've had a place to live for over two years now, which is crazy because I, I never had my own place. I never had my own place. I was always sleeping in someone else's room, sleeping in, on someone else's couch uh, or in a tent somewhere or in my truck somewhere, parked somewhere. Um, I mean, I had a camper on the back of a, a black F-250 for like a year and a half that I lived inside of. Um, and that was horrendous. It was terrible, you know. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. Really, honestly, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. It was pretty luxurious homeless living, uh, living comparatively to some people that have to stay inside of tents or in the side of Five Rivers or in pallet palaces, you know? So, like I said, guys, this shit just, this is a topic that really hits home for me. Homelessness really hits home for me. Addiction really hits home for me. Uh, I think that everybody deserves a voice. Everybody deserves a second chance. And everybody deserves to feel like they're okay. I don't really know if I'm going to do a second part to this face of homelessness, but I might. Like I stated when talking to Lunchbox, it's really hard to get people to talk down there. You know, a lot of them don't want to because 
they just they don't they don't want to. I wouldn't. Back in back in my day when I was on the side of the shit, dude, if I would have seen somebody coming down there with a fucking can, I would have attacked them. I'd have been like, "You're a fat bro. What the fuck are you doing down here trying to catch me up?" You know, cuz I was smoked. I was crazy. I was fucking gone, brother. But I'm back now. At least a little bit of me is or hopefully most of me. Sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm back, you know. Sometimes it feels like the person that I was died a long time ago, and I'm basically now just holding on to what I thought I used to be. But the only thing that I can do now is stay persistent and keep my head up. And that's the only thing that any of us can do. But anywho, thank you guys for tuning in to yet another fun-filled episode of Anti-Slave Question Everything. I really appreciate you guys watching this. If you sat through the whole 2 hours and 11 minutes of content of me talking to my homies, I really appreciate it. Because they deserve to be heard, man. Everybody deserves to be heard. And there's not one human being in this world that's useless or not worthwhile. Except for pedophiles. And power elites. And government officials. Politicians. Hillary Clinton. Bill Gates. I mean, I guess there's a couple of people out there that don't deserve shit. But the ones that don't deserve shit, honestly, have the most. And that's just how it is. Alright guys, as usual, this is your host Bo Diggles. And if there's one thing I can ask y'all, it's always remember to question everything. I'm out. Bye!